Free Talk Live. And we're reasonable. We're, we're reasonable? When do we become reasonable? Never. Generally not, but... We're reasonable today for a very specific reason. Reasonable reason? A uh-huh. reason to be reasonable? Are we reasonably a re- reasonable? A reason to do unreasonable things. Well, and that's the quote, right? So the quote is, uh, sometimes uh, reasonable men must do unreasonable things. And who is that quote from and why are we even talking about it? Well, it's Killdozer Day. 19 years ago today... Marvin Hemeyer, Marvin John Hemeyer, because whenever you say something about a dead guy, you got to say all three of their names for some. Of course. He's not even a serial <clears throat> killer. Reason. Serial destroyer. Yeah, I almost had to dump myself there. I got to remember which show I'm on now. Yep, settle down. Yep, yep. I still think I'm on Beard Talk Live, the uncensored from last night, yep. but no. No. I'm on Free Talk Live at the FCC. Uh, if you work for the FCC and you're listening to this show, please go listen to last night's episode of Beard Talk Live. Uh, which you can find on our SoundCloud page it's on the just a archives. whole bunch of FUs to the FCC. It, I mean, that's not a lot. It's <laughs> not really untrue. Uh, at any yes, rate, I like going out of my way to get harassed on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> Marvin Hemeyer was an American automobile muffler repair shop owner who demolished numerous buildings with a modified bulldozer in Granby, Colorado, on June 4th, 2004. And so we'll we'll recap some of that here today because it's the 19th anniversary. Of, did you watch the movie Tread? I did, yeah. Okay. I, I enjoyed it, although there are parts of it where they're obviously, you know, taking not not his side. They're taking the state side. Sure. And, and that kind of a thing. So you know, outside of that, I thought it was really well done. Okay. See, and I'm okay with that because it made it feel more balanced in the storytelling, right? Like, we are going to be very, very biased in well, describing what Marvin Hemeyer did. I get what you're saying, and, and while I do appreciate a balanced story that shows things from, you know, all perspectives, there really isn't a biased documentary of the Killdozer that I'm aware of that is just like... Yeah, he was totally in the right. Uh, he, you know, followed the nap. He was defending himself. You know, all this kind of a thing, right? Uh, and so there, that doesn't exist. And so right. I was just further disappointed that well, there wasn't one of those. Okay, right. So yeah, that's fair. Uh, at any rate, it is the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. Captain's log, start date. Well, oh six oh four two zero two three. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the authentic Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass Buckshot Esquire, if you will. Joining me. It's Nikki. And Richie Rich. Just Nikki, not Nikki Sunshine? Nope. No? Okay. Not Nikki when was the Sunshine. last time you've been Nikki Sunshine? You've, 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 you've gone full mononym? I'm usually Nikki. I know, but like, hmm. you know. It's Nikki Sunshine. Nope. Yeah, Too okay. late? Can yeah, I ruin no. it? Yeah, I, I, no. like, I like just Nikki better now. Okay. Now that you've made the decision. I don't remember the last time you said sunshine. Like, uh, I rarely do. I think Every once in a while, I'll on, sprinkle it in. You know, I think the last time she was on, it it came up in conversation something okay. about moonshine versus sunshine or yeah. something. Okay. I don't, you know, whatever. Planet well, the shine. sun hasn't gone down yet, so oh. I'm not yet Nikki Moonshine. 
But what about when you're drunk? Well, it's it's all about the the time of day. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Day drinking, still Nikki Sunshine. So even if you're day <laughs> drinking and you're drinking moonshine during the day, you're still Nikki Sunshine. Yep. Until she gets drunk. Okay. No, until it's nighttime. Oh. Hmm. Or would that like really be more of like an eclipse? If it's during the day, sun's out, you're drinking moonshine. It's like, oh, look, an yep. eclipse. Then we just put on Pink Floyd. Nice. Uh, speaking of which, uh, a little later in this episode. We're going to talk about Roger Waters. Yes. And and why the Germans don't like him. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, the telephone number, of course, if you want to join us today, is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. Uh, phone lines are open. You can talk about whatever's on your mind. We've got stuff to talk about. We'll talk about Marvin Hemeyer. We'll talk about Roger Waters. We have a number two story on deck for you today uh, and several other things. In fact, I think we're over prepped. We could probably do like two days worth of shows between uh, the three of us with just the prep that we have. So we're good to go. After show. No. <laughs> yeah, not today. <laughs> um, so, well, let's just continue on with Marvin Hemeyer. Uh I actually pulled up just a, I wanted to play. Just a little bit of the news footage, because there was uh, air, uh, a helicopter, sort of following him around. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Marvin Hemeyer uh, was so distraught over the way he was treated by the city of Granby, Colorado, that he built himself uh, an armored vehicle out of a bulldozer. Now, it's important to know that the bulldozer was his he owned it and he actually bought it so that he could put in a a uh, a right-of-way passage to his muffler shop and uh that was this is after the city tried to f him uh rather rather uh without lube and all that kind of stuff and so he was like okay well that's fine you know we'll just go this other route and so he bought all this equipment and then the city denied him uh his ability to put in this entryway so cutting off his business from any customers whatsoever uh, so he built this armored vehicle out of this bulldozer that he bought. and Ironically uh, called the killdozer, even though he killed no one. Well, himself. Right, yeah. Okay. He's the only casualty. Understood. And the only people that he targeted were the people, the city officials who wronged him. So, he didn't even target them. He targeted their businesses. Right, right. Yeah. Like his intent was not to kill, it was to destroy. Right. I mean, but, sounds fair to me. Uh, especially after the way he was treated, and we'll get into all of that, but uh, I wanted to just sort of play a little bit of uh, audio here for you if I can remember what the heck I did with it. Uh, here it is. Stand by. It's the triangle pointing to the right. Yeah, thanks, man. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you'll stay with us, he is just headed westbound again. This is tape. He is just again headed westbound into the downtown area. Right there may have taken out a radiator. He doesn't stop for light poles. He doesn't stop for buildings. He takes out the corner of the copycat store. Again, this is right in downtown Granby. And then the gamble store next to this became another prime target. He backed up. While the radiator's smoking, while he has any power left, he's going to attack that Gamble's appliance store. Many of the stores, the buildings, the offices that we have seen him take out apparently seem to have some rhyme or reason to him, uh, some kind of history, some kind of ongoing gripe that were part of his problem with the, the city officials and some of the other business owners in Granby. 
Yeah. Some kind of gripe. Yeah. You know, a well-informed journalist there. I mean, the thing was just happening, so they really had no idea. So I'll I'll give them a little bit of a break there. That seems fair. That, uh, you know, that certainly was breaking news at the time. You know, live eye in the sky, helicopter footage. Crazed maniac in Arnold Bulldozer runs through city. Uh, Hebeyer had feuded with Granby Town officials particularly over fines for violating city health ordinances after he purchased property with no sewage system. Over about 18 months, Hemeyer had secretly armored a Komatsu bulldozer with layers of steel and concrete. On June 4th of 2004, Hemeyer used the bulldozer to demolish the Granby Town Hall, the house of the former mayor, and several other buildings. He killed himself after the bulldozer got stuck in the basement of a hardware store that he was destroying. Uh, that's the summary. Uh, what they leave out, of course, is uh, the reason that the property didn't have a sewage system was because it was cut off by right. uh, another piece of property that was uh, putting in a, a business. And so they promptly cut him off. And as a result, the city was like, oh, well, now we're going to fine you, too. Ha ha. And it was sucks to be you. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't, you know, him just you randomly purchasing property with no sewage system and then getting fined. This was a series of events and a series of FUs by the city of Granby, Colorado. Or even if you buy a piece of property. Right. And they go like, "Okay, don't forget, you got to put in the sewage system. Right. Right. And you make all the efforts to do so. Right. To avoid the fines. But they didn't. There was like no opportunity to do any of that. They cut him off. You know, they they chopped him down every chance they had for whatever reason, whatever, whatever gripe they had with him and his muffler shop. Yeah. Uh, In 1992, Hemeyer purchased two acres of land uh, from the Resolution Trust Corporation, a federal agency organized to handle the assets of failed savings and loans associates. Uh, He purchased it for $42,000 to build a muffler shop. He agreed to sell the land to Cody Docheff to build a concrete batch plant, Mountain Park Concrete, for $250,000, according to Susan Docheff. Hemeyer changed his mind and increased the price to $375,000, then to a deal worth approximately $1 million. This negotiation happened before the rezoning proposal was heard by the town council. council. In 2001, Granby's Zoning Commission and trustees approved the construction of the concrete plant. Hemeyer unsuccessfully appealed the decision, claiming the construction blocked access to his shop. He was subsequently fined 2500 bucks for not having a septic tank on the property that his muffler shop occupied. Uh, Hemeyer's bulldozer was a modified Komatsu D355A, which Write he... Write it down. I'm sorry? Write it down. Write it down. D355A. Komatsu. K-O-M-A-T-S-U. Which he referred to as the MK tank in audio recordings. Fitted with makeshift armor plating, Covering the cabin engine and parts of the tracks. Uh, and just to give you a description of this, uh, it's basically two pieces of sheet metal, uh, you know, probably, what was it, three-quarter inch sheet metal? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, and then sandwiched in between the pieces of sheet metal was like a half a foot of concrete. Right, poured concrete. Between. Yeah, poured concrete. So the thing was heavy. Yep. Right? And... Also impervious to, like, small arms and even some explosives. And a lot of large arms. (laughs) And a lot of large arms as well. 
the armor was over one foot thick total, consisting of 5,000 PSI quick creek concrete sandwiched between the sheets of tool steel, according to Wikipedia, uh, which he acquired from an automotive dealer in Denver. Uh, so that, that was the components of the ad hoc armor. This made the machine impervious to small arms fire and resistant to explosives. Three external explosions and more than 200 rounds of ammunition were fired at the bulldozer and had no effect. Tink. 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 For visibility, the bulldozer was fitted with several video cameras linked to two monitors mounted on the vehicle's dashboard. The cameras were protected on the outside by three-inch shields of bulletproof Lexon. That's bulletproof glass for those who don't know. Uh, compressed air nozzles were fitted to blow dust away from the video cameras. So the dude went to great lengths to outfit this thing. I mean, you've heard of that show Pimp My Ride? Yeah. <laughs> this is next level. This is, yeah. I mean, I'd do this to my car if I wasn't so concerned with MPG. Right. You know, if I didn't need that good gas mileage. Yeah. Yeah. Just put a solar panel on top, run it all electric. Hmm. Onboard fans and an air conditioner were used to keep Hemeyer cool while driving. He had AC. I don't even I don't even have an AC in my car that's functioning. He also oh, I got mine fixed about a month ago. As soon as it started to like get warm, yeah. I'm like I better get this taken care of. Yeah, when it hit ninety three or whatever it was. Yeah, nope. I yeah. was getting hot air blown at me. But anyways, he had also made three gun ports fitted for a fifty caliber rifle, a three oh eight semi automatic rifle, and a twenty two rifle, all fitted with one and a half inch thick steel plate. Authorities initially speculated that he may have used a homemade crane found in his garage to lower the armor hole over the dozer and himself. Hemeyer apparently had no intention of leaving the cabin once he entered it. Most uh, news outlets now uh, use the word entombed. Okay. He entombed mm. himself inside of the dozer is, is usually the phrase that we see. Uh, once he tipped that lid shut, he knew he wasn't getting out, Daly said. Investigators searched the garage where they believed Hemeyer built the vehicle and found cement and armor steel. Gee, go figure. Go figure. Enough for Killdozer Jr. Quote, it is interesting enough to observe that I was never caught, Hemeyer wrote. This was a part-time project over a one-and-a-half-year time period. He was surprised that several men who had visited the shed late the previous year had not noticed the mo modified bulldozer especially with the 2,000-pound lift kit fully exposed. Somehow, their vision was clouded. Yeah, you think you had noticed that. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, even if you like, noticed, like, what would you do? Nothing. I wouldn't. No. I would probably ask about it. Like, hey, what's this? But I'm not going to, like, call what's the cops the on him. Yeah, what's with the armored bulldozer in the corner, Marvin? <laughs> you planning on going crazy and taking out the whole city? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a prop for a movie. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on June 4th, 2004, Hemeyer drove his armored bulldozer through the wall of his former business, the concrete plant, the town hall, entrance. the office of the local newspaper that editorialized against him, the home of the former mayor, uh, and a hardware store owned by another man Hemeyer named in a lawsuit, as well as a few others. Hemeyer had leased his business to a trash company and sold the property several months before this rampage. Uh, if we could go back in time. Hey, Marvin. That hardware store has a basement. Be careful. Don't get stuck. Yeah. I feel like the outcome wouldn't have changed, like, you know, him killing himself. I feel like he was he was on a one-way mission there. Sure. You know, but I, I, I am curious, like, what else might he have done? 
Yeah. You know, who who else was on his list? What other properties, you know, kind of a thing? I mean, you can finish the job and then, like, just park in the center of town. Right? Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah. 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 I mean, he was, no, he killed himself anyway, right? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I wonder if he had, like, a, you know, like in a video game, you know, like a, uh, what do you call it, a finishing move? Sure. You know, I wonder if he had something up his sleeve where yeah. he was like, and Grand- when I get done with this, I'm going to. Grand you know. finale. Yeah. Right. Something. Yeah. You know. I mean, if you're going to go, like, this is a pretty, go. yeah, it's pretty epic. I mean, dude's legendary now. Yeah. I mean, it's been 19 years. We're still talking about it. So. Yeah. yeah. It's martyr status. Certainly. Folk hero is the common term for sure. him. Uh, defenders of Hemeyer contend that he made a point of not hurting anybody during his bulldozer rampage. Ian Dougherty, a bakery owner, said Hemeyer went out of his way to not harm anyone. Others offered different views. The sheriff's department argued the fact that no one was injured was not due to good intent as much as to good luck. Hemeyer had installed two rifles and firing ports on the inside of the bulldozer and fired 15 bullets from his rifle at power transformers and propane tanks. Had these tanks ruptured and exploded, anyone within a half a mile of the explosion could have been endangered, the sheriff's department said. Yeah, lots of things could have happened. Yeah. Twelve police officers and residents of Senior Citizens Complex uh, were within such a range. Oh. Meyer fired many bullets from his... Senior Citizens. Yeah. Tried to kill some old people. What did about... You, you gotta be concerned for the old people. Yeah. Meyer fired many bullets from his semi-automatic rifle at Cody Dochev when Dochev tried to stop the assault on his concrete plant by using a scraper, which was pushed aside by Meyer's bulldozer. It's tough for me to play you the audio for this, but basically what happened is uh, the city figured out they could borrow another piece of heavy equipment. This is a a large tractor-looking thing, approximately the same size and weight. Uh, The aerial footage of these two pieces of heavy machinery sort of doing battle is reminiscent of, like, the Transformers doing battle. Yeah, it totally is. You know, or something you might see, like a a heavy equipment uh, demolition derby. They're, like, running into each other. At very slow speeds. Yeah, the one... The, the one had like a scoop and the dozer, you know, the scoop over the top and the dozer's got the scoop on the bottom and there it's, it's a heavy equipment machinery fight. Life-size robot wars. It is. Yeah. It's like or robot battle wars. Bots. Battle bots. Thank you. Either one. Uh, later, Hemeyer fired on two state patrol officers before they had fired at him. The sheriff's department also noted that 11 of the 13 buildings Hemeyer bulldozed were occupied until moments before their destruction. At the town library, for example, a children's program was in progress when the incident began. One officer dropped a flashbang grenade down the bulldozer's exhaust pipe with no apparent effect. Local and state patrol, including a SWAT team, walked behind and beside the bulldozer, occasionally firing, but the armored bulldozer was impervious to their shots. Attempts to disable the bulldozer's cameras with gunfire failed as the bullets were unable to penetrate the three-inch bulletproof plastic. That's the Lexon we talked about earlier at one point see and this is why your local police department needs a bear cat just in case just just in case bear cats no match for the kill dozer i'm I'm sorry i'm just you know i'm trying to play devil's advocate okay all right did a number on our window yeah yeah sure did should have made the the, window one foot concrete with steel the the door frame out front here too yeah maybe Uh, we'll do that next that's the next set of renovations (laughs) Start pouring some cement on stuff. House dozer. Welding. Wait, uh, no. <laughs> so I don't. I don't want to like you know this spoiler alert. I guess or a good idea maybe, right? But I always. I think 
you know, if I were building my ideal house with defensive position, yeah, right, the foyer would be like a kill box, right? You can get, oh. you can blow through the front door, and then you enter like the impenetrable area, yeah, where I can get you and you can't get any further, right? Mm. Yeah. So, pro tip for you: foyer kill box. Uh, remember, that. I'm not a construction expert, so this isn't construction advice. I'm not a construction expert either, but I still think it's a good idea. At one point, Undersheriff Glenn Trainor climbed atop the bulldozer and rode it like a Bronco Buster, trying to figure out a way to get a bullet inside the dragon. Like a mechanical bulldozer. However, he was forced to jump off to avoid being hit with debris. He got bucked off. He what did. happened? Yeah. He, Yeehaw. Yeah. All those cops can buck off. No. Nice. At this point, local authorities and the Colorado State Patrol feared they were running out of options in terms of firepower and that Hemeyer would soon turn against civilians in Granby. Governor Bill Owens allegedly considered authorizing the National Guard to use either an Apache attack helicopter equipped with a Hellfire missile or a two-man fire team equipped with a Javelin anti-tank missile to destroy the bulldozer. No word on whether uh, anyone was in the library or near the old folks' home when they were considering the military strike against a man in a bulldozer. That's the grand finale that I would have wanted, though. Right? The, 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 you know, the attack helicopters coming over the horizon, waiting for the waiting for the authorization to fire. This Green was, smoke! This Green was smoke! quickly deemed unnecessary when Hemeyer became trapped in the basement of a Gamble's hardware store. See? Stupid basement. As late as 2011, Governor Owen's staff still vehemently denied considering such a course of action. Since then, members of the state patrol revealed that, to the contrary, the governor did consider authorizing an attack, but ultimately decided against it due to the potential for collateral damage. There you go. So he considered it, and went, you know, women and children, old people, nah, maybe we don't shoot a javelin missile in the middle of Granby, Colorado. No, they only do that overseas. Ooh. Various problems arose as Hemeyer destroyed the Gamble's hardware store. The radiator was damaged and the engine was leaking various fluids. The bulldozer's engine failed. Hemeyer dropped a tread into the store's basement and could not get out. About a minute later, one of the SWAT team members who had swarmed around the machine reported hearing a single gunshot from inside the cab. It was later determined Hemeyer had shot himself in the head with a 357. Rip. 603-283-6160. If you want to talk about Marvin, call us. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android app store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level, but some are as high as 8 to 9% off. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
And we're back. Yes, it is Free Talk Live, the Sunday night version. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We appreciate you. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Nikki. And Rich Rich. The telephone number, if you'd like to join us, is 603-283-6160. You can take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever's on your mind. We've been talking about Killdozer Day. Uh, That is today, June 4th, 19 years ago, in 2004, Marvin Mm -hmm. Heemeyer piloted a modified... Heavily armored and combat-ready uh, armed uh, bulldozer uh, could be considered a uh, a makeshift tank, a, a one-off, not a production model. A custom job, if you will. Sure. And uh, drove through some businesses in the town where he lived. Uh, not at random. Not Very at random. specific businesses. Very specific. Uh, yeah. Of people who had wronged him. Uh, they did various things like changing zoning, uh, blocking his property from, well, any customers getting to his muffler shop, cutting off his business. Uh, they uh, began fining him for something he had no control over, which was the sewage system. Right. Uh, there, there's a whole host of other things. Uh, there is a documentary. These were neighbors and business owners, yeah. right, who then used the force of the state right. through, the, you know, through the means of the city council and zoning boards and whatnot right and also city officials too where right. you know some of the city officials own some of these businesses exactly and, and that type of thing to take away this man's livelihood and left him with no reasonable recourse right and he tried he did try he had lawsuits filed he talked to lawyers all that kind of stuff he he tried uh, and there there are several documentaries about this the most recent one is called tread and uh, i thought it was pretty good uh, I, I liked it uh, it doesn't, you know, it, it is, as Richie Rich likes to say, balanced. It seemed more balanced than we would like, because clearly we're a fan of this gentleman. Uh, but there was definitely, there. it was heavy on the opposing viewpoint yeah. of what happened that day. Yeah. But it did contain uh, bits with Hemeyer himself, uh, as well as uh, some uh, previously unreleased footage uh, of the actual, well, we'll call it the rampage. His, right. his trek through town, and of course the uh, the battle bots, you know, the battle of the heavy equipment. And the Heemeyer himself was like an audio diary, mm-hmm. right? He he recorded himself and given his explanation of what's going on and all the things that needed to happen, you know, to counterpose what the narrative would have been without yeah. this audio. Yeah, unique in that way where like, you know, a dead guy narrated his own documentary posthumously. Right. Well, while he was alive and then they found the, you know, well, right, but like I thought they used a Ouija board. When <laughs> when I die, I want uh, people to pass out little tiny Ouija boards yeah. and say, "Hey, text me later." Nice. <laughs> uh, I was going to say something else, but you brought up a Ouija board. So, Sorry. Anyway. Uh, at any rate, uh, he went on to drive this armor-plated and fully armed bulldozer through town wrecking a bunch of businesses that uh, belong to these city officials and or other businesses who conspired to cut off his livelihood and otherwise make his piece of property uh unusable drive uh, that price down so they can buy it on the cheap since he yeah. didn't sell it for what it was worth at the time 
it, the aftermath of this, of course, is on April 19th of 2005, the town announced plans to scrap Hemeyer's bulldozer. The plan involved dispersing individual pieces to many separate scrapyards to prevent souvenir taking. <laughs> Smart. If you have a piece of the killdozer, give us a call, 603-283-6160, because I'd like to know, what piece do you got? Where'd you get it from? How'd you get it? All that fun stuff. Although no one other than Hemeyer was killed in the incident, the modified bulldozer has occasionally been referred to as the killdozer. There should, there should be an effect on that. The killdozer, killdozer, killdozer. Right, yeah. Uh, it's unclear whether this uh, is an allusion to the 1944 short story Killdozer or its 1974 film adaptation, or if this is independent coinage of a term. In recent years, Hemeyer gained a small internet following for his bulldozer attack, comparable to the Unabomber's father. They're trying to lump yeah, him in with the Unabomber. Come on. Yeah, the Unabomber was on a whole different plane than Marvin Hemeyer. Sorry, Wikipedia. Uh, f- blah 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 blah. At any rate, uh, in addition to the writings that he left on the wall of his shed, he might have recorded three audio tapes. This is what you're you talking about, Richie Rich, explaining his motivation for the attack. The tapes contained two separate recordings on each side for a total of six recordings. He mailed these to his brother in South Dakota shortly before stepping into his bulldozer. I mean, this entire thing was thought out very carefully. I mean, it took him a year to build it. Yeah, right? a year so, and a half. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hemeyer's brother turned the tapes over to the FBI, who in turn sent them to the Grand County Sheriff's Department. The tapes are about two and a half hours long. The first recording was made April 13th, 2004. The last recording was made May 22nd, 13 days before the rampage ensued. God built me for this job, Hemeyer said in the first recording. He also said it was God's plan that he not be married or have a family so that he could be in a position to carry out such an attack. Sounds a little crazy, but... I mean, yeah, anyone who hears voices in their head, you know. I mean, uh, it's, it's a lot, you know, even even for the FBI, right? You don't go after, like, married people to do the dirty work, right? It's like single, lonely dude. Yeah. Right, because they've got nothing to lose. No, I mean, that part makes sense. Yeah. Investiga- investigators later found Hemeyer's handwritten list of targets. According to police, it included the buildings he destroyed... The local Catholic Church, which he did not damage, and the names of various people who had sided against him in past disputes. Notes found by investigators after the incident indicated the primary motivation for the bulldozer rampage was his plan to stop the concrete plant from being built uh, near his shop. This is the one that would have prevented or that did prevent uh, traffic from getting to his shop. These notes indicated that he held grudges over the zoning approval. I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable, he wrote. Quote, sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things, unquote. And thus is the tale of Marvin Hemeyer and the Killdozer. I mean, I think this should be a lesson to be careful who you do dirty. Oh, yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Like. it. You never know who's going to. Drive a bulldozer into your house. Well, everyone wants to think that, oh, the law protects me. 
And, you know, the... It's actually the opposite. The the cops protect... No, no, the cops protect themselves. The cops protect the ruling class. That is the the mayors, the governors, the police themselves, you know, any alphabet agency, uh, the city, the county, the state, the federal, right? These are the people that they protect. They do not protect you or I. They do do not protect the the citizens. No, Uh, the citizens are just tax cattle, right? Taxation is the milk. We are the cattle, they are the farmers, and uh, the government are the enforcers. Well, and th- this is this is where I get in trouble, especially on this show, right? Let's try not to do that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> this, this is a prime example, right, of keeping government agents in check, right? They, they typically act as if there's no recourse to them personally. Yep. Right, it's just it's all in the line of duty, mm. right? I, I I make the laws, we pass the laws, they enforce the laws, and I have made the you know I I'm of the opinion I've made the claim the contention, right? That every so often, right, as the founders suggested, they need to be reminded that they have stake in the game. Yeah, what's the quote from the founders? Uh, the the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Is it with Patriots and Tyrants? I thought it was just Tyrants. No. Oh. Patriots going to lose some blood, too. I didn't realize friend. the quote included uh, That's because most libertarians well. leave that part out because they don't want to get their hands dirty. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones and talk to some people. Uh, Free Talk Live, you are on the air. What is your first name, please? It's Renee. Hey, Renee. You're on the show. What's on your mind? Oh, my mind is I'm having adventures with uh, plant obolescence today. My, my two phones I had... You're playing with, as I said, they came out with a new model. So now I'm, even if I pay my internet fees and my telephone fees, they're still glitching. So it's like I'm forced to get a, uh, how you call that, uh, uh, a remodel or whatever. And I'm, I'm yeah, upgrade. should I jump companies? And, and that's tyranny right there. I mean, they're not even in the government. And these people at the top, and they, could, they do conspire. Everybody conspires. Everybody makes... I conspire, other people conspire, just a human thing that conspires is that with this capitalism and this free trade and competition, the companies still are cooperating across the board and the government and uh, people are stupid and unaware of it, how much planned obsolescence degrade the quality of life and the pursuit of happiness and, and a better life when you have to spend your money to constantly upgrade every damn thing that you already spend your money to try to get up and ahead in life, like so said the American dream. Yeah, I, I agree with what is happening. Uh, what I don't agree with is that we have a free market. We do not have a free market. Uh, the competition is severely limited by uh, being a corporation, by, by the corporations themselves. Government created this fiction called corporations, and what this does is it gives anyone in business – uh, who becomes a corporation gives them an unfair advantage against other competition. It allows them to curry favor with the government. It allows them to use government. They have to follow the rules of being a corporation, which of course government decides what those rules are as well. So we, we can I ask a question? Sure. Uh, I mean, the the blacks did it during segregation. What do you think about a conservatives trying to make a parallel economy? Or is that one more illusion against well, the liberals? Well, there there is something called the Agora. Uh, you might know it as the gray market or the black market. Uh, this already exists uh, globally, as a matter of fact. 
So there is an alternative market. It's just, you know, what can you get on it? Well, the stuff you can't get regularly, right? So, again, unpopular opinion here. I don't necessarily think that planned obsolescence is a government issue, right? Like when, I think it's an everybody issue. Right, but what you're talking you about is, you know, needing to upgrade your cell phone and what people don't take into consideration with this particular issue, right, is there's a cost of maintaining the old technology. And at some point, that cost outweighs the benefits because not enough people are using it, right? And there's some people on the left that may describe that as a market failure, but it's not, right? Like the, the 3G towers are coming down. Right, I used to have uh, Clearwire for my internet service. Oh, wow, That's it was cool. it was yeah. over WiMAX, yeah. right? Which is which is an obsolete technology. Right, yeah. And at some point, they sent me a letter said, "We're not going to do this anymore. Find yourself another internet provider." Right, and the technology is just too expensive to maintain for the small number of people it still serves. Right, which is why you don't get good internet in rural areas. Right, right. It's too expensive to run the wire out there. For such a small market so the market doesn't get served and so the companies go where it's profitable as they ought to do right 4g towers 5g I, towers whatever is coming next can I throw something else intricate sure offshore when i work offshore maybe it's what he's saying once you go a certain limit offshore and the tower service there works it's about retarded, like, I don't know, like a $50 a minute thing, like when you go offshore, like on a rig or something, or, or, or try to use a cell, uh, try to use yeah. that service. Or on a cruise. It's just incredible. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. it's a small number of people using a large amount of service, and someone has to bear the cost. And in a free market, right, the cost is bared by the user. Yep. It's not subsidized in any way. Yep. So if you're the last person on the 3G tower, guess what? You have to pay for it all, and they know you can't afford it. So they just turn it off. And they go like, hey, we're giving you guys like two years to figure this out. You got two years to buy a new phone with 4G or 5G in it. Two years, we're turning it off. They go like, okay, there's still some of you on here. You got like 18 months, and then we're shutting it off. And then people like still at the very end go like, I can't believe they just cut me off of the internet. Like, it- I mean, it makes sense because why should the company be obligated to foot the bill for something that, you know, that just doesn't seem like a very good business not, model. Right? Yeah. That's why it's planned obsolescence. It's old tech. It's beyond its useful life. So I've never experienced this myself, but there's a lot of iPhone users that claim once the, because they're always coming out with a new iPhone, once the yeah. new iPhone yeah. comes out. Their phone starts getting, you know, slow all of a sudden. So right. there's and kind of this theory that Apple is purposely oh they do they throttle making, yeah yeah well, they're, they're making the phone run worse. But Apple's, so you'll be more likely to upgrade. Apple's response to this, right, is you have an old phone, right? It takes more to run the new tech, right? We're not throttling it to throttle it. We're throttling it to extend the lifespan of your phone. You can't keep up with the new technology. So if we don't throttle it, it's just going to crash, right? Your battery is going to go to pot, you know, if you're trying to keep up with all the new stuff. Renee? So, yes, we do it, but it's not for the reason yeah. you think. Your thoughts? Uh, this, all, this also affects uh, industrial trash trucks. You know, they, they might be upgrading their computer systems, but like a company I'm not going to say I work for, the mechanics say sometimes the various systems 
can't talk to each other. And a perfectly normal trash truck, which is built, is a humongous version of a normal truck, can operate if it didn't have computers, but the computers can't talk to each other. So the damn thing shuts down, regen. Sometimes you got to be towed. It gives all kind of problems that sometimes maybe could cause accidents. So it's like a serious problem for civilization, this planned obsolescence. Maybe. For whatever reason or motivation. See, but again, with the trash truck, right, if you take out the computer system, it's a less efficient machine, right? And older cars, right, people love the older cars because they don't have the computers and you can fix it. Like, you know what the carburetor is and you can do all that yourself, right? They broke down a lot more than newer cars. Well, so. But the, I could fix it myself when it broke down. But you could fix it yourself. Yeah. Right? right? But new cars don't break down as often. So, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's a trade off. So I understand your point and you're, you're not entirely wrong. However, uh, because governments control. Uh, the rules of what a corporation is, right? In other words, a corporation must follow the the, the laws of being incorporated. Yep. Uh, that means they are forced by the rules of being incorporated uh, to continuously turn a profit, right? Not that like an organization that's out there trying to make money wouldn't have that anyway, but they are forced to continuously make a profit. That's, whereas that's not true though. in, in a free market. Yeah, actually it is. No, it's not. Uh, it, they have a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders. Correct. To they turn have, a profit, not necessarily to turn a profit. You can make all the right decisions and still turn a loss, right? Still lose money. And the shareholders have no, no recourse against that because you made all the right decisions. Right, you're not forced to make a profit. You're forced to act. In well, the best to remain interest. a viable entity, they are. No, you you can you can. They you can't can break be. A, even. I mean, unless they become a nonprofit corporation, and then we're talking no, about a whole different well, thing. No, no but my you, point is, as a corporation, you can lose money, you can break even, you can make money. My and point still be is, in the your point that, is false because you're wrong from the premise. You didn't even get to hear my whole point because you're starting from. How a can false you tell premise? me my my point is false when I haven't even finished my statement? Because you started from a false premise. I reject your premise. I reject your premise that corporations are forced by the government to go ahead, Renee. Go ahead, Renee. Okay, we were talking about capitalism, corporations, and American culture. How come is it for all the whininess, the right hat, the right side of politics talk that they never have a benefactor like the left, like in George Soros? This man believes in what he believes in. He gives half, almost more than half his money into his cause, but the right has nothing to match him. They whine and cry, and nobody, nobody won't put their mouth money where their mouth is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about there, Renee. Yep. I'm talking about George Soros is to the left. He puts money generously to his cause and beliefs, but the right complain you're, about you're him. You're saying there's no cons- the large conservative donors. Yeah, they, they, they don't put their money where their mouth is. They, they worry more about their money than their ideology. They're a bunch of losers, to my, my opinion. Okay. I mean, yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Right. I mean, Koch brothers, right? That's the, they exist, you know. They um, they fund a lot of those conservative value things. Yeah, I got, I got, we've been accused of, uh, oh, you guys get Koch brothers money. Well, I've never gotten any. So, you know, somebody forgot to write me a check uh, whenever that, that thing was uh, uh, said. So, uh, Renee, thank you for the uh, call. We appreciate you. 603-283-6160. Let's go ahead and go to Bad Slave. Hey, guys, and, and uh, Mickey. You're on um, the air. What's on your mind? Right. I am, and uh, happy to be so. Um, want to um, bring up the, the whole business of the 
arrogance of bureaucrats and authorities and what have you that bring about the sort of thing that occurred with uh, Mr. Niemeyer there. And uh, it, it, to me, it occurs that 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 stuff is not happening often enough. So you're I saying mean, that events like Marvin Hemeyer and the Killdozer aren't happening frequently enough? I'll agree with that. Well, I, 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 yeah, but but see, there's there's a whole range of what happened with Niemeyer that Niemeyer. occurred before the you know the the dozer incident. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, bad bad slate. What do you what do you do? Right, like put yourself in this situation. The government comes at you with an extra ten thousand dollar tax bill. Right. What do you do? Right. Do you bend over and take it? Do you pull out a, you know, do you start to arm up? They, uh, they abused their power and, and they paid a price. Okay. The fact is, is that people need to let the, the powers that be realize that they're abusing their power in some right. way short of you know, running a bulldozer through their town. So, so if they and, came after you with this tax bill, right? How would you how would you display that? You know, to them, right? How how would you show them that they're not allowed to do this to you? Well, there would be a, a more general understanding that, uh, uh, you know, that that there's failure in in the misappropriation of government and that failure needs to be recognized earlier and and more aggressively okay so more talking about it which is what most people do and less being about it which is what marvin hemeyer did well you know i no i don't think people do enough talking about it you know they 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 they, they won't let you even have conversation around your uh you know, Thanksgiving table, you know, oh, you know, no politics, no religion, no whatever. I mean, but that's like a cultural thing. That's not real. I mean, my family talks about politics at the, you know, Thanksgiving table. I've walked out of a number of family dinners and those morons started spouting off. Well, you know, I'm just saying that they're, that, that people are, are tolerating way too much. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people aren't ready to hear it, or they just want to ignore a lot of these things. Or if they haven't seen this injustice firsthand, or haven't been attacked by the state themselves, it's hard to believe that it's as dramatic as it really is. Yeah, you know, there certainly seems to be a lack of spirits of freedom, particularly within uh, the geographic area commonly referred to as the United States of America which is supposed to be, according to the indoctrination you received in public school, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Well, the only really free people that I personally know are, well, all the folks here in New Hampshire who've come here for the larger freedom migration movement, uh, some anarchists uh, you know, scattered throughout the world, uh, and that's really about it. I mean, uh, I would argue we're not even free. Oh, no. I mean, but it's like I, you got like, a driver's license. But, Do you have a social I'm, security I'm number? I'm talking about the, the at least desire yeah. for freedom. 
the desire is there. I still maintain that the people who are most free, right, in the truest sense of the word, occupy the highest levels of politics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're above, you know, they're above the law. So if you're an individualist anarchist, right, and you want to maximize your freedom, you must get into the highest levels of politics. Betsley, thanks thanks. for the call. We appreciate you. 603-283-6160. What do you think? Is uh, Does America lack a rebellious spirit, a spirit of freedom? Do you think planned obsolescence is a conspiracy? Give us a call. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up, including our number two story. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 15th through the 18th for the 7th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out in 2022. For 2023, we're going back to where it all started, the weekend before ForkFest. ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there June 15th through the 18th. ForkFest.Party. Free Talk Live. And we're we're back. back. And we're better than ever. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. If you would like to join in the conversation tonight, it is Free Talk Live. In the studio, it's... Nikki. And Richie Rich. And I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kickass. It is Sunday. It's a good day for a Reverend to be hosting a show. God bless. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> I was talking to, to somebody the other day, and they're like, of course you're a Reverend. Yeah, right? Sunday sermon. And I'm like, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> Like, what do you mean? Of course, you're, you're like. A is it because I'm also like, a doctor? Like, and yeah. a- <laughs> I mean, it it was it was an attractive girl. I'm like, what? You were gonna bang me until you found out I was a reverend? Is that you know? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I'm not sure. Because I know. don't look like a little boy to you. Yeah, I, you know. So it was it was weird. I'm not that kind of reverend. Oh, uh, this this is the <laughs> this is the extent uh, of my reverendship. Uh, you all listeners are, uh, for lack of a better description, my congregation. And uh, I guess that makes you guys what? Clergy? Bishops? What are you? What religion Deacons? is this? Uh, well, I'm technically a reverend of the Church of Spiritual Humanism. Okay. Uh, and uh, the deity for this particular church is uh, reason and logic. Got it. Those cool. are our deities. So I'm already the vanguardian of my own cult. So Okay. Yeah. All right. So you, you, could, you could potentially still be like a deacon. Of the Church of Spiritual Humanism, I think. Maybe. But Whatever the, that means. The, the, that's the thing. I don't want to be. Right? Like, I considered it at one point. I'm like, you know what would be cool? It'd be like to be an ordained minister. Yeah. And then I started looking into it like, you know, the church is a subgenius and yeah. whatever. And I went, 
you know what would be even cooler? To start one of these things and just be the boss of that. Right. Yeah. And so and so I did. Uh, just not official. I've been asked without the government repeatedly to officiate people's weddings, and I, I turn them down all the Why? time. Uh, because, well, first of all, uh, not a one of them were going to have a state-free wedding. Oh. So, uh, you know, that's my main thing, right? Like, I don't care if you want to pledge your, you know, life to another person or your community or whatever, to, you know, whatever you think marriage looks like to you. What I disagree with, of course, is involving the state in your personal relationships. Yeah. Like, why? What is the point of this? Why would you even do that? Like, And that's what I tried to explain to a lot of my family members because they're like, oh, well, you're not really getting married then. I'm like, what does the government have to do with my relationship? Right. And at one point, someone someone asked me, like, you know, Rich, are you ever going to get married? And I went, no. And I laughed. They said, why not? Because it's either a state thing or a government thing, and I'm an atheist and an anarchist, and I don't really need that in my life. Uh, and then I went and had a state-free wedding. But the divorce was so much easier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just left. Yeah, you're like, yeah, oh, we're exactly. done. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Congratulations. Uh, before we go on, I want to tell you that this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Uh, I've been using Dash even before they uh, were promoting us uh, this most recent time. They were a sponsor of ours, uh, Free Talk Live, some time ago. And they came back on board recently, but I've been using uh, not only Dash, but their app Dash Direct uh, for quite some time. And uh, I've it's great. You can do, the way I use it, I basically do on-demand gift cards. And so normally if you have a gift card, you're left with something at the end. You're like, yeah. oh, there's five cents or there's like five bucks that you can't really spend with the gift card. Well, using the Dash Direct app you can just create a gift card at the moment for the exact price of whatever it is you're purchasing. And so you're not left with losing out on, you know, whatever, you know, the last couple of bucks or last percentage of your gift card. So it's pretty sweet for that. Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Their transactions are instant, irreversible, and protected from 51% attacks by its Chainlocks technology. Dash is the world's first DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, and Dash Direct allows for discounted purchases at national retailers. Uh, and thank you to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. That's Dash.org. Gift cards is how you end up with seven packs of gum and a tin of mints at the checkout. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just how much more do I need right. so I don't have anything left on this thing? Yes. And so, of course, the, the Dash Direct app eliminates that type of a thing. Uh, we had been talking about uh, Killdozer. Not the movie. The man, Marvin Hemeyer, and his, uh, what do we want to call it? A custom tank that he sure. made out of a bulldozer? Let's call it, what it's called it uh, the Killdozer. Man. The Killdozer. Uh, and then, of course, we just started talking about uh, non-state marriage. To finish my thought on that... Um, so Captain Kickass is an ordained minister. However, Captain Kickass is not my legal name. I've never changed it. I've never filed paperwork. And so my concern is that, of course, if I were to agree to officiate someone's state-sponsored wedding, that it would be legally invalid. Oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it might. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, if you, I, okay, so I mean, if you wanted to, right, you would then just check with the state. 
right? I operate a business known as Captain Kickass. I mean, sure, there's things that I could do about it, yeah. but I don't really want to because, like, you know what the fun part of weddings is? The reception. Understood. Yeah, I was about to say, would you enjoy? I do not offici- enjoy officiating. Yeah, yeah. No. so then, hmm, no. don't especially bother. you know, with over half of marriages ending in divorce, it's like I don't want to preside over that. Nope. You know, liability. Like, yeah. You know, like, I had an ex coworker who was also ordained, and he wanted to, I, you know, I I prodded him to do this. So I think he registered a domain at one point and then did nothing with okay. it. But it was like the one minute wedding. Ooh, you know, that's, that's a great awesome. idea. Yeah. Right. Like. You know, if you're presiding over it, like, yeah. you know, you got the two of you, you got the witness. Do you? Yep. Do you? Yep. Boom. And then you sign the paperwork. <laughs> yep. and- you, you dig him? Yep. You, you dig her? Yep. You're married. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Bada Bam. bing, bada yeah. boom. You reduce it to like, you know, 30 seconds or something. We need not you know? go yeah. through all the pomp and circumstance here. <laughs> <laughs> and with Zoom now, man, you can just have witnesses wherever. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. They can just remote in from wherever on their laptop or their phone or whatever. This ain't no two hour long Catholic wedding. <laughs> Get up, sit back down, stand up, and also sit like down. I I don't understand why uh, people wouldn't try to uh, have their marriages at uh, like a more convenient time. And what I mean by that is five p.m. No, 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 no. <laughs> Lots of folks want to do the tradition of the June wedding, right? You know, yeah. Uh, and they want the nice, and, and they want to have like the outdoor ceremony with the the big trellis and you yeah. know the the lawn cha- the white lawn chairs and you know the Same the pipe idea. organ with the music and you know all the traditional stuff, but then they go to great lengths to invite all of their family on both sides yeah. of of the marriage, right? So you know his family, her family, and all that kind of stuff, and it's like there are other times during the year when all of those people gather together. So why not have your wedding then? I'm thinking Thanksgiving, that, Christmas. You know, well, that's why I had my wedding during Porkfest because I'm like, oh, cool. All my friends are already going to be here. Come up a day early. And I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, especially Obviously, being, my family had to travel like three to four to five to six hours to yeah. get there. But your blood family. Mm, that is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But my New Hampshire family is already here and they're most of them are already going to be at Porkfest. Yep. So they're like, oh, sweet. I, I don't have to go anywhere different. Yeah. I can just be there. Yeah. yeah. And it's I don't funny when I make an excuse to not go. I just because I'm already there. <laughs> Two of my friends that uh, live at Rogers for the summer yeah. were like, "We really, really appreciate you doing your wedding right here. We don't even have to leave like where we live. Like they're like, this is zero. We didn't have to pay any travel costs, any extra stuff. We're just yep. rolling out of bed and showing up to your wedding. This is great. I was gonna come just for the reception, but now since the wedding is right there, I guess." I have to sit through that nonsense now, too. Thank you, Nikki. Are you actually coming? No, Uh not at all. All Not driving three hours to watch Nikki get married. (laughs) What about the party? Eh. I'm an introvert. I don't really know. Well, and he doesn't He doesn't like disco. That's what it is. He doesn't smoke. What do you do? Wait, that's an item ant song, isn't it? Don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? Yeah, I play video games. Oh, okay. You could probably do that while they're getting married. Yeah, I could. You probably will switch. be, actually. Yeah but, yeah, but I don't have to drive three hours to yeah. do that. Yeah, I'm going I'm to drive three hours to sit and play the game I could play back home on my couch with the AC on. Yes. See? All right. Uh, let's move on to our number two story for today. Number two story. Finally. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Sorry it took so long. But we're <laughs> no, finally no, pay, here. Paid respects to Marvin Hemeyer. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Killdozer Day. So, you know, I think it's important. Uh, this from thegatewaypundit.com. We, uh, this story has been brushed upon. That's not a pun. Uh, it has been mentioned on Free Talk Live, but 
Let's get the update. The headline reads, Ireland plans to slaughter 200,000 farting cows to save planet from global warming. Thank you, Ireland. Yeah, make it make now, sense. Now I don't have to change my lifestyle. Apparently, flatulent uh, heifers, Holstein, cattle, if you will, are, what, causing global warming? It's a lot of methane. I'm, I'm not sure how that's, you know, but but yet, like, the, the military, I mean, the military is the number one polluter. Yeah. Yes. Period. Also, why don't we just plant some more trees or something? Like, how, let's... That seems to make the most sense. Yeah. You know, like, let's stop with the urbanization of everything. Let's... Let's not get too carried away. I mean, if they, what, that's better than slaughtering a bunch of cows. I mean, sometimes getting carried away is good radio. <laughs> I like to get carried away. Yeah, but that's only because I you're married to. and you're expecting to get carried over the threshold. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No. no. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, Matt's got a bad back. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they make dollies and stuff, right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, Babe, we got to invest in this exoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> they do make those. I know. Uh, just get a forklift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that you weren't a forklift or anything. <laughs> Oh wow, Nikki's Nikki's way. Guess too I thin better uh, watch lift. my weight. Yeah. Dang, <laughs> watch it go up. Carried uh, over uh, the threshold. I mean, you could just get like, oh, I don't know, uh, a bulldozer, for example, yes. with the big scoop, and it could carry you away. Uh, while you were sleeping, this is the article now. Uh, while you were sleeping, the globalist fanatics went after your food supplies again. Yeah, uh, continuously. The globalist movement is targeting food production in the West, and of course, the crooked officials are glad to assist. Government officials in the Netherlands, a major European food producer, shut down 3,000 productive farms to comply with global warming goals in November. In December, Germany ordered farmers to slash fertilizer after the Dutch farms were shut down to comply with global warming standards. Did you cover? Uh, I want to break in real quick. I don't know if it was covered here or if I just saw the headline for it. Recently, um, like some CEO of a carbon offset company had to resign because they were giving out fake offsets. Like they were fudging oh, the numbers. Have you seen this? Uh, I, I've, I've breezed across the headline okay. and I haven't been able to delve into it. Okay. Don't worry about it then. Okay. The headline's good. But just, you know, they're, they're doing all this stuff for global warming. Yeah. Right? And it was basically like, just give us money and we'll make something up. And, yeah. And then they made something up. They went, well, you can't make it up. It's all made up. The whole thing's made I up. I know. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just- But he la- resigned over it. It's just laughable that they're targeting farms. Oh, yeah. You know, like that just doesn't seem to me to be the cause of global warming. No, it's If not. anything, you'd think farmland and pastures- plants like that would be better for the environment totally absolutely it is or at least i mean you can't pin this on cows like if you live in a like a big city especially especially a big city with like a large uh, industrial uh, district where there's a lot of manufacturing that kind of stuff going on and then you move to somewhere like oh i don't know rural new hampshire for example where it's all trees and mountains yeah take a breath farmland and you're like oh wow it's so much fresher here than it is Mm -hmm. there you know so this is what air smells like yeah uh, so this week, Irish lawmakers are pushing a plan to kill off 200,000 cows to reach their global warming goals. Farm World reported this. The Irish government is considering an initiative to significantly reduce the number of dairy cows in order to reach its climate change targets. 
a target of reducing emissions from farming in Ireland by a quarter by 2030 has been set by government. Dun, dun, dun. One proposal to achieve this is by reducing the national dairy herd by 10%, the equivalent of removing 65,000 cows a year for three years, according to the Irish Independent. Removing. Removing. Yeah. Like, where are you moving them to again? You've moved them once and you're removing them again. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellog. It's a weird name. It's an Irish name. Yeah. I was worried I was pronouncing it wrong. Anyway, Charlie told Irish radio station RTE Morning uh, that a dairy vision group, a dairy vision group with farmer representatives, has been looking into a range of options to reduce emissions on farms. The Irish Department of Agriculture responded to the reports via the Irish Mirror. The Department of Agriculture said a report outlining a $200,000 reduction in dairy cows was a modeling document. Oh. It was reported yesterday the cows would have to be culled at a cost of 600,000 pounds to taxpayers over the next three years to meet climate emission targets. So cut their food supply and charge them for it and, and tell them for it's own, their own good. And charge them for the privilege, right? right. Yeah, if All you right. want to call it a privilege. Sure. The Farming Independent said it got the figures in its report from an internal document through a Freedom of Information request. So, yeah, here's government going after something that obviously has zero impact on, well, anything really of any substance to the planet. Uh, yeah. And again, I'm going with Nikki's idea on this, right? If you want to offset it, right, like plant more trees. Yeah. Because trees eat carbon dioxide. Right. And they spit out oxygen. Yes. And so which we breathe. Which we breathe. Yes. Right. We must intake oxygen. Yeah. Right. So if you if you want to offset that, the answer is clear. More trees in more places. Yeah. Uh, let's go to your calls and thoughts. Let's go to, I believe this is Tim in Florida. Tim, you are on the air on Free Talk Live. Yeah. Um, what you're talking about is absolutely disgusting. Uh, it's just evil villain level. Are you yep. talking about the uh, the cows? Yeah. I mean, you know basically destroying food supply um i mean that that's like uh who's that guy on um austin powers you know the- dr. oh evil. dr evil yeah one million dollars yeah. <laughs> okay yeah it's crazy um i actually called in about something else though sure go ahead. Uh, if, I, if i can change the subject Please. Um, so i was thinking to, my, to myself today in the absence of i suppose it's the fcc who determines the uh, radio frequencies you know basically who gets which radio frequencies? Uh, it is the FCC, ultimately. Well, no, it's an absence okay. of the FCC. Oh, a- in absence of the FCC. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, so wanting what, to get your broadcast out, don't step on your neighbor's broadcast. Yeah, it's so weird how the government thinks they own the air. Like, it, it is possible, if it were just a free-for-all, that, you know, I could put up a tower and be broadcasting in a you know 20-mile radius from wherever the tower is or something like that. And somebody else could put up a tower and broadcast on the same exact frequency, and you might get some like some crosstalk, is what it's called, yeah. when these signals uh, impede upon each other on like regular radio. Uh, but like it, it's bad broadcasting etiquette to do so. Yeah. And so like if 
somebody else is already broadcasting on your frequency and they're so granular now that it's like 93.5 93.6 93.7 93 you get the idea right these sub increments of these frequency ranges that there aren't enough people actually broadcasting to use up all of the frequencies anyway but right. but the government for whatever reason wants you to pay their fee wants you to buy a license uh, so, number one, so that you can you know broadcast so number one etiquette and number two uh, the the cost of overrunning your neighbor's feed, right? Like if your sole purpose is to put him out of business, you are going to go into debt or whatever doing so because you're not going to be making any money either. So yeah. it makes no business sense to do that either. And not to mention uh, a reputation component, right? In the absence of the FCC, uh, there's going to be a reputation component as a broadcaster. So, you know, you want to be a good neighbor to your other broadcasters and maintain your reputation. Yep. And if you don't, guess what? You're going to lose listeners. You're going to, you know, and your broadcast is going to suffer and, and go off the air. I always thought a nice little, like, you know, network for pirate radio would have been, you know, what, whatever the limit below the FCC is, you could run a tower for like a one mile range or whatever. Just if everyone networked, you know, like one one mile to one mile to one mile, and you all, you know, you all had this mesh network of radio towers, you could broadcast whatever you wanted without the FCC being. Yeah, except anything. it's that's uh, actually what I. That's kind of what I was asking. What what actual like protocol solutions? And that sounds genius. And I don't yeah, understand uh, that can't happen today because the uh, the FCC mandate is far less than one mile. Well, whatever it is, it's man. no, it's okay. like it's like. I don't know, like 75 feet from your house. Is it really that small? Yeah, it's okay. that small. I'm not surprised. Uh, because I, I also toyed around with this idea, and I actually went to, uh, there's a page on uh, Free Talk Live, I think it's forward slash radio or something okay. like that, where you can you know learn the sort of the basics of pirate radio. And my idea was this. Uh, for Free Talk Live specifically, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we just uh, created like a USB stick that our amplifier specifically uh, could you know, receive and plug into the back of their computer, their their home computer, and it would broadcast on whatever frequency, choose a frequency, underneath the FCC limit. And if you had enough of those, if you had enough saturation, right. then anybody driving through that neighborhood or even just, you know, within a couple of houses of you could pick up that transmission. But uh, it wasn't cost effective to do so. They do make uh, these really great USB, I'll call them sticks, but they're basically small computers that you plug into USB, so it needs yeah. some power. You could also put a, a tiny solar panel on them uh, because I thought about uh, just saturating an area with pirate radio, uh, yeah. putting a bunch of solar-powered you know, drones on tops of buildings. I guess the difference is like your way is single-funded, like giving stuff out, mm -hmm. and I'm just suggesting you know, a, a, a network of people who are passionate about yeah. the thing, well, funding their own equipment. Yeah, I think in a, uh, uh, if you want to talk about uh, you know, not only post-government, but post-apocalypse scenario, Right when the FCC yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter. exist, yeah, everyone's a ham radio right? operator, you know? license or uh, license. Yeah, it'll all just work itself out. People will find cooperative ways, you know, to make it happen. So I don't have any very specific ideas on how you know radio broadcast might work in the absence of government. What I do have faith in is the market and people finding a cooperative way to make it happen. And it could even be stuff just as simple as like, hey, I only my target demographic is you know really from. 5 a.m. until 3 p.m. So if you want to broadcast on my off hours, feel free to share my my station or my uh, frequency, that kind of a thing. Yeah. You'd see all sorts of innovation that doesn't exist today because government has such a grip on their, right. quote, ownership, unquote, of air. But the profit motive, the profit motive is a big one. 
right? People yeah. that want to do it and want to make money won't, won't step on their neighbor's feed because that's a losing <clears throat> money effort. You could kill two birds with one stone, you know, because the the solution to this is also the solution to the to the mesh internet. Could be, yeah. Well, and in fact, they could cooperate with each other. Uh, we know for a fact that something like a cryptocurrency transaction can be broadcast over the air. That is a radio broadcast, uh, and so it would make sense to me. And thanks for the call, Tim. We appreciate you. It would make sense to me for radio broadcast and internet to cooperate with each other. Uh, regarding broadcasting. So 603-283-6160. How would your industry cope with a lack of government? Give us a call. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. Free Talk Live. And we're on the air seven nights a week from 7 p.m. until 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Your broadcast may vary. If you miss any part of our show ever, you can just go to freetalklive.com. There is an archives section there going, I don't even know how far back, possibly to the beginning of time, or at least the beginning of Free Talk Live. Uh, and you can hear all of the back episodes. Uh, catch up or reminisce or whatever it is you want to do. That's Good the luck catching up at freetalklive.com. Uh, there are the digest versions, at, but even so, yeah. good luck. You yeah. know, like it's it's been what twenty years or something. So uh, yeah, yeah, somewhere around there, and twenty one hours a week. <laughs> That's dedication. You thought getting through all the laws was tough. Uh, well, it, that would be tougher. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, free talk live listeners, uh, we want to ask you for a favor. You probably already know this show's founder, Ian Freeman, was recently convicted of various victimless crimes. That's right. No one was harmed. Like the government themselves even admitted that no one was harmed. There was no damage. The judge said something like, the damage is the damage. But like there was no damage. Because that makes sense. Uh, Anyway, he's facing up to 20 years in prison for simply transacting voluntarily with people who wanted to transact. We can argue all day as if the jur- as to if the jury was mistaken, but that's not going to get us anywhere. What will be helpful is for you to write a letter to the Honorable Joseph LaPlante about Ian's character, how he helps the community, and why you think he deserves a light sentence. Also, saying things about yourself that give your opinion weight with the government would be helpful, such as if you held office or you're a retired military person, you served, uh, anything like that would be something to mention. Ian is a selfless man that has always tried to do what he thinks is the right thing, and it would be a tragedy if he had to spend any time in prison at all. We need these letters quickly, so don't put it off. Please send your letter for Ian Freeman, 63 Emerald Street, number 610, Keene, New Hampshire, 03431. If you didn't get to write that address down, that's okay. All the info you need is available at letters.freetalklive.com letters.freetalklive.com. Thank you to the folks who have sent letters already. If you haven't sent yours yet, please get on it and send them. We need them. Letters.freetalklive.com. 
All right, moving right along, let's just go to your calls and thoughts. We have an unscreened caller. You're live on the air. What's your name, please? Uh, my name's Brian. Hey, Brian. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yeah, yeah. Um, I called earlier this week trying to challenge, uh, you know, your libertarian ANCAP principles, uh, namely the NAP. Also want to challenge, you know, things like subjective theory of value, rights, all that stuff is embarrassing you guys, I think. Bring it, Jabroni. What was that? Sorry. I said, bring it, Jabroni. Richie Rich is accepting your challenge yeah, so and like, ready for you to speak. So go ahead, start with the, the first one. The nap, yeah, I think. So be- yeah, I was uh, I was rudely uh, being interrupted and cut off last time by that Bonnie chick. But uh, I got to the point where, um, you know, I asked your definition of, you know, the non-aggression principle. Someone offered up, uh, you know, the standard definition um, uh, where aggression is illegitimate. All aggression is illegitimate, and aggression is defined as, you know, initiational force or whatever. And I brought up the example of where it doesn't apply to kids. And I got uh, the girl sitting there to admit that she'd use aggression on, on, on kids to restrict their, you know, their decision making. Well, I said it wasn't aggression. That wasn't aggression. Well, the other chick, uh, Aria, whatever, she revised the definition because she saw the problem in it. So that's not aggression. When you, when you, so when a kid wants to do something against your wishes and you like ground them or stop them from doing it, you know, even, uh, even uh, the, the example you know, was a child running out in front of a car and getting oh. injured. No, that's third that's party self defense. Example, You're yeah, acting ahead, on behalf though. of the car driver. Next, that's just one example. Okay. Uh, Next, I mean, I'm talking. I, it's it's a broad decision making uh, restriction, like you know, drugs, sex, things like that. Even if he's running uh, on the street uh, with a car, what if he wants to commit suicide? Things like this. Yeah, but a are three year old doesn't understand commit? that. Yeah. That's just but, basic so childhood supposed, development. Okay, so I'll just entertain the three-year-old hypothetical. Okay. You agree you'll use you use aggression against a three-year-old, right? To me, that's not aggression. That's not aggression. You guys agree? Uh, I need more specifics yeah, on I the example. I, I, so first of all, I'm lost on the conversation. I was not here for your yeah. original conversation, Brian, so I don't know where this so, conversation is coming from. I, Obviously, I will, Nikki was involved. I will jump in and say when it comes to suicide in general, uh, I think most people who act to prevent the suicide uh, act selfishly because they don't want the grief of having lost a loved one, right? But I do not fall into that category. So I have once told a friend, if you need someone to pull the trigger for you, like I'm your guy, I will do that for you because I love you as a friend, right? So not aggression, right? No, to stop them from doing it. That's the thing. I wouldn't stop like, them. Okay, so let's say you have a kid. I'm not saying you do have a kid, but let's say you have like a 13-year-old kid. You know, it's it's a tough transition, you know, when through puberty yep. and school. Mm-hmm. And yep. many turn suicidal, you mm-hmm. know, like in Asian countries especially. Yep. Would you use aggression to stop your kid from committing suicide? You know, it's, it's a temporary thing. It is a temporary uh, thing. Most of the time, it's a temporary thing, and they might just outgrow it. You know, they might realize the world isn't like uh, they might. So what? So what you would do in that situation, rather than use aggression, right, is use rationing, logic, reason, even on an emotional appeal, right, to talk them out of it, 
rather than I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the people you can convince with that type of tactic, right? Oh, then I I'm would talking stop. about where it gets to a point where uh, convincing them through words, you know, you, you catch them right on the edge of a building, right about to jump. Right? Yep. And you, they, they don't see you like coming up from behind and you have the ability to snatch them. Right. So then, the, so then that through, goes through force, that, right? That's that, aggression. It's not though. So even in that case, right, you are not, it's not aggression because you are acting on behalf of the, the public or the business owner or the property owner, right? Like there's there's people no, below say, there, you know. What? Okay, that's like that's, if you push uh, if you push someone out of the front of a moving bus, right? It's not aggression. You're yeah. acting in the defense of the bus driver and the bus company owner. I I don't know where you got like where you assumed like uh, the property owner. I because even, well, because obviously a thirteen year old doesn't know the building, buddy. So he's on someone but else's you don't property. Know, you don't know the the property owner's wishes and what he he condones right. or not. But th- it's not important. You're like you're like trying to avoid the issue here. Right? No, I'm I'm you're... I'm hit. LRN.FM. Gotta go. Gotta go. No cussing allowed There's on all... the radio. Good luck next time. Anyway, finish your point, Richard. Because so if in the case of the business owner or the property owner of the building, the building owner. Right, you are acting on his behalf in a third party in a third party aspect. Mm-hmm. Right, you can presume that he doesn't want someone killing themselves on or in his building. You can presume he doesn't want the splatter at the bottom of his building that he's going to incur the cost of cleaning up. Mm-hmm. You can act on those things, right, and then it can be adjudicated outside of that. And if he goes like, "Oh no, man, I totally love it when kids jump off a building and splatter in front of my driveway," right, then according to the non-aggression principle. You are then held responsible for your actions, yeah, and owe something to the business owner, the property owner, the building owner, right? That gets adjudicated after the fact, and so the non-aggression principle isn't like a, an absolute, right. right? You could violate the non-aggression principle and then make good on the violation, right? Right. And I think in a lot of you know a lot of libertarian scenarios, right? Oh, if you're crawling through the desert and the guy's like charging a million dollars for a bottle of water, you'd steal the bottle of water, right? And they think it's a gotcha, right? And the truth is, no, yeah, no, I, I will violate the non-aggression principle and drink that bottle of water to survive. So that I can make it make the person I stole from whole later on. Later on, right? right? And or, you know, because it seems to be unjust and there's not a lot of members of the community that's going to allow for a million-dollar bottle of water, right? You adjudicate it after the, back, after the fact. Yeah. And you pay him what the community finds to be reasonable through arbitration. Yeah. Right. Uh, a, a lot of these types of, like uh, this caller's, uh, what was his name? Brian. Brian. Uh, his call, like, libertarians get into, and, you know, Brian, if you want, like, to really engage with some uh, debates on this topic, uh, come to Porkfest. Uh, because there are plenty of people there that will engage you, particularly on what I like to refer to as uh, fringe cases, right? So the non-aggression principle isn't designed to be the answer, right? It is designed to be a good start. Mm-hmm. So right. so there are things, like the non-aggression principle generally covers most things. Right, but as an axiom, it has to apply throughout. Right. Right, and so you come up with these fringe scenarios and there are, there are ways to think about it right. that make it apply throughout. Right. Right. The, the kid off the building, the bus, the water, whatever whatever example he had, right? Yes, you were acting aggressively. Yeah. Right. You were in violation of the non-aggression principle, and then you make it whole. Right. Yep. You make it right after the fact. 
right? So it's not it's not like I will never ever violate the non-aggression principle. It's a recognition that when I violate it, I have amends to make, yeah, and I have to make the person whom I violated whole again, right? And I think right? very That's few. I think very few people are claiming that they never have or never will violate the nap like right. it's almost right. impossible to do but there are ways to make it whole after the fact right, right. which i would believe like most philosophical yeah. libertarians would try to do yeah. Un- but- unlike unlike government the non-aggression principle and well you know uh, what do you want to call it voluntarism anarchism yeah. libertarianism uh, allows for redemption right? right whereas government does not it's too black and white for, yep. for that jail Right, uh, and, and if and if the kid who like wanted to kill themselves, like said, no, I really wanted to kill myself, right? They, they would have the opportunity to, to you know to take their parents or whatever to arbitration and see how that yeah. works itself out because you, you violated them, right? It's not it's not it wasn't a violation, it was, but then here are the repercussions, right? If they're thankful afterwards, thank you for violating the non-aggression principle. Yeah. You saved my life. I was going through a phase. Then no harm, no foul. Nothing is owed, right? But there there are people now. Right. There's articles of this where they're like suing their parents because they didn't consent to being born, which is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous because nobody can when you're like a cosmic being like what? Whatever. You know, yeah, Yeah, whatever it is, whatever it is. Right. But they found they think that they were violated in some way and they're going to get their day in court. So same with a kid, a teenager or whatever. Right. The difficulty with being a child in modern society is you're not self-sufficient. Right. There is a trade off. And you can be a runaway, right? You can be a delinquent. You can be, you know, whatever term you want to use and try to make it on your own. And you should have every right to do that. And your parents shouldn't be able to call the cops to return you as their property, right? There should be, you know, the, like the, like the Bible for whatever, right? The, the prodigal son returning. Yeah. Um, But you should be free to leave if you can manage it on your own or with the help of whomever you're going to reach out to. Yeah. Uh, Because the caller did bring up uh, suicide. Uh, I want to say that I have experience as what's known as a student counselor, uh, counseling kids who you know just need somebody to talk to. Oftentimes, a suicide was brought up, uh, and I can tell you for a fact that if somebody is committed to committing suicide, you are not going to stop them. Mm-hmm. Right? You could try; you might stop them once, but if they're committed to it, they're going to do it. They're going to take their own life. That being said. Yes, most people come out of it. If you're having suicidal thoughts uh, and that kind of a thing, please find somebody to talk to. You know, even if you're convinced that that's what you want to do, please find somebody to talk to and then, you know, make your decision from there. Don't make your decision until you've talked to somebody who, you know, maybe they're outside of your family, maybe they're a professional, whatever it is. Just talk to somebody about how you're feeling. Give yourself some time. If you're still committed to it, then you're going to do what you're going to do. But please talk to somebody first. And suicide is difficult. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right? You have to overcome the natural human inclination yeah. for self-preservation yeah. to such a degree yeah. right, that you kill yourself. Yeah. Not and, by accident. And there are people who have tried and failed who regret trying. Yeah. yeah. Was the guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived, which very few people survived right. that. Yeah. He said as he was falling, instant Whoops. regret. Yeah. Because that like natural mechanism of yourself for the self-preservation right. kicks in and you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? This goes against everything my like basic nature and biology yep. is telling me to do. So. Get that 
thing in your stomach when you start a slide in the snow, too. Yeah. Whoops. Yep. Uh, the, uh, the, I just want to elaborate a bit on the student counseling thing. Uh, because I was one of the students, I was able to hear things without having to take any action from students. Right. You weren't a mandated reporter is what you're right. saying? Right. Okay. Because uh, everyone employed by, we'll call it the school uh, or the government or what have you, if a student says something like, hey, I'm feeling suicidal, they are required to report that to both the parents and the government. And whereas a student is not required to do any such thing. So there's literally more freedom in talking to a peer in a student situation than talking to uh, an employee. And so that's why they that, that those things existed. Why I agreed to become a student counselor uh, at the time was because I was like, you mean to tell me they can't freely talk to you guys about yeah. what they're feeling as a teenager when they're going through all this, you know, puberty yeah. and weird upheaval and like emotions and, you know, figuring out that like, you know, they're trying to be independent, but their parents are still holding them back and, you know, what the school's doing and all this kind of crap. Like, it just seems obscene to me that children are not allowed to freely speak to adults without the mandatory reporting requirement. Mm-hmm. So I think man the, the man what is it mandated reporter yeah. I think that thing for like nurses and teachers is so stupid yeah because you know you can get people you know if they come in heated and they're trying to talk to you and they say the wrong thing and you know like as, me as a nurse yeah I know when people either mean it or don't mean it yeah. yeah I shouldn't make assumptions but sometimes it's obvious like this person's either just pissed off or they're intoxicated or whatever it is, I don't think, like I'm using my own professional judgment, I don't think they're at a risk to themselves. So if I don't report that, then it puts me in hot water if something happens. Your career is on the line. But it's like, I'm not going to rat them out for no reason. You know what I mean? So it puts us as like professionals in a really bad position. Obviously, you know, just if there's suspected child abuse or something like that, like, yes, you should do something, but... But I don't know. Even, and as soon as you report it, though, like all trust is lost. Like you get one yeah, shot. Yeah, absolutely. Out. They're not going to tell you anything again. Yeah, it's gone. exactly. Yeah. So I, I told know. you something in confidence. You reported it to some a-hole down and the street. Also, it's tough for me because I don't believe in getting CPS involved or calling the cops. Right. So it's like, really, no matter what the situation is, yeah, I'm not saying anything. Uh, let's go on to your calls and thoughts. We have David Butt in New Mexico. David Butt, you're on Free Talk Live. Dude, dude, I transitioned to somebody else. That, I'm uh, major pain in the butt. Oh, well. oh did he just David dead butt. name you? Sorry. Well, the uh, yeah, you sorry. Dead the, me, man. The, the caller ID came up as David Butt. We'll get yeah, right on well, that to Ian fix does. that. With two with two T's, by the way. Not yeah, like not like David. However, it's not David Butta. Get under my skin, man. Hey, you know, um, uh, I did hear that you were going to trade your butt in for a new one. Something about yours has a crack in it. It does, man. A really big, fat one. And, um, yeah. What, what's on your mind, Major? What is it? What is it? Pain in the butt. Pain well, in the butt? Well, dead names me just, just to make my butt hurt. <laughs> Are you butt hurt now, it's, David Butt? Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I'm butt hurt, and it's not David Butt. It's um, a major pain in the butt. Major pain in the butt. Not the butt, the yeah, butt. But you, D-A. D-A or D-U-H? You can, just call me, you can just call me in the butt. So... I called about the killdozer thing, but I'd like to add that uh, you brought up a memory for me. People regretting suicide. I met a kid who regretted 
attempting suicide, or I guess you don't regret suicide. Well, you could, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> you, you regret That's a failed suicide. Find what out. happens? Yeah. yeah. And when I was working in the hospital uh, at the at the teaching hospital, University of Minnesota, years ago, to try to decide if I wanted to go to medical school, and I decided hell no. One of the things I did is uh, worked as a sitter for different cases. And one of the things that requires a sitter is a is a, a somebody who had attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. And this kid had come in, and he had put a shotgun in his mouth, and he pulled the trigger, and he had the angle wrong, and yep. so. Now he just all he did was blow out the the front of his uh, upper jaw, and he he looked like the like the cowardly lion because he blew a a, uh, a a groove right up through the middle of his face, and so he was missing that part. Yeah, and, he took, uh, when he and, took uh, out like half of things. his lower face or something, right? And that almost mm-hmm. seems like the natural human inclination towards survival, right? Yeah. Like you get, oh, so you, anyway. you got the angle wrong you know, in your mouth so that you missed all the critical spots at the right. very end. You just I, tipped I, the shotgun a little bit unconsciously. I remember, ha- I remember having that thought. I never, I didn't ask him about it, but I remember having that exact thought. Um, but anyway, the, the killdozer thing subsequent to talking about that, I think it was bad slave called in and said, we need more of that type of thing. And I, I agree with that. Are you building and, one? Uh, um, yeah. As a matter of fact, I've been working on one for quite a few years. A I'm, headed towards, Keene, New Ham- I'm headed towards Keene, New Hampshire. That's a long shortly. drive. Yeah, it's gonna. Thing only gets the thing only gets five miles or five gallons to the mile. So, if that. Are you gonna start a GoFundMe to, yeah. for gas money? I think he should. Yeah, maybe maybe people, your listeners, can send in funds um, so that I can come up to drive up to Keene. You know, I need it. Like I said, it's five gallons a mile. It's probably about fifteen hundred miles. And and then I can come and visit and do a better job than what the what the FBI. They didn't do very good. They just got a few windows and a door, did they? Wait, yeah. you threatened to like so close anyway, this place? Yeah, why would you threaten to close this joke. place? We put you on the radio it's for F six. It's a joke. It's a joke. He's trying to, so cra- to he's trying to crowdfund on the radio that he's trying to destroy. <laughs> it's going to build a right. killdozer, drive yeah. it to Key, New Hampshire, and then destroy the studio. <laughs> Yeah, unless you want to buy me like a C5, they can maybe donate and I can get a C5 Galaxy. I can load the Killdozer in the yeah, C5 I, Galaxy. I don't, know what that is. I, don't then, I, I don't really have any idea of what your mm, popularity or, you know, uh, uh, your your fundability quotient would be with the listeners of Free Talk Live. Just show them the speedo. Yeah, pick. it doesn't really matter because this is all in just fun. So it doesn't really matter if anybody sends anything in there or not. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's all fantasy. So back to the serious part. So Bad Slave called in with, uh, he said that uh, that kind of thing needs to happen more often, and I agree. However, stuff like that tends to be illegal, and so you can't necessarily advocate for it, at least, or at least I don't. But here's something that's really cool that's similar that does actually have a, takes a psychic toll and probably an, uh, a practical toll as well. And one of the things I do as often as possible when, when I'm talking, like right now, when people will hear it, but even when I'm just talking one-on-one to anybody, especially if they happen to get a government paycheck, mm-hmm. and even better if they're actually elected into their position, I just, I tell them, I plant this seed. I tell them that, hey, guess what? Based on all of the evidence of, available, you are illegal. You, the government is completely illegal and illegitimate and null and void, and, and, and I'm spreading the word, and everybody else needs to as, as well, because you got to go. Because we can't have an illegal government. Oh, did you have a pension? Did you say you had a pension? Guess what? 
that's going to go bye-bye. So you better jump on board and help us uh, make you stop being illegal if you want to continue to get that paycheck and that pension. Except they still got the beer uh, gang and there's not enough killdozers out there to fight them, right? No, but but the, the, the reality is, though, that if you keep spreading that, people people hear that and they go, you know, I never I never thought of that, but you're right. And if you get several millions, or even better, several tens of millions of people with that attitude, you can actually make these this is FCC legal sons of bitches go. Maybe, maybe, and here's why maybe, right? Because I have heard prominent libertarians who have held government jobs uh, espouse the idea that well, I'm only five years from my pension. So I'm going to stay in government for another five years and then imagine how much good I could do within the libertarian community with all that government pension money, right? They're not, you know, they don't come to the realization and then cut it off, right? right? They come to the realization and go like, well, the government money's still good, so I'm going to keep that as long as I can, and then we'll yeah, see what I mean, happens you later. Mean like, like John, like Judge Mexico Judge John J. Romero Jr. Oh, and right. M. Monica Zamora. You mean like those people, right? Except no, not, they're not because they're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, hey, uh, David, thanks well, for the call. Yeah, you got the names out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was doing, with the Captain. He was doing so well up until yeah. the the repetitive crap. Right, you know. 603-283-6160. Still to come, more stories including tuberculosis and the police. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. You can join us here in the Free Talk Live studio via phone at 603-283-6160. We'll get to your calls and thoughts momentarily. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass, joining me. It's Nikki. And Richie Rich. Uh, Before we go on with the show, I want to say thank you to KC Masterpiece. Nice. uh, Who is a gold-level amplifier. Uh, that means Casey gives 10 bucks a month to help get this radio program onto more radio stations and otherwise help advertise, market, promote, and support. That's what AMPS stands for, Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support, uh, for this show. So if you want to become an amplifier, you can visit amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. You do get some uh, little perks. You know, there's some some benefits to becoming an amplifier uh, for, for the money that you donate to us. Uh, but that's not why you should consider amplifying. You should consider amplifying because you are a freedom-oriented individual, perhaps. You're a voluntarist or an anarchist or libertarian. You enjoy uh, a program like this, the hosts, the co-hosts, the callers, the perspective of freedom on every issue every time. This is a reason that you should consider becoming an amplifier over at amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you again, KC Masterpiece. We appreciate you. Again, you can visit amps.freetalklive.com. All right, so 
Before we get to your calls, uh, there's a couple of things that I wanted to get to today that we're just going to cover uh, briefly for a moment. I wanted both Nikki and Richie Rich to opine on this particular situation. Uh, the original article says, or that I stumbled upon, says, Judge gives 17th order for a Tacoma woman with tuberculosis to self-isolate or go to jail. And then the article that actually occurred previous to that was a Tacoma woman with tuberculosis finally arrested yep, to receive treatment in jail. And just briefly, a Tacoma woman who has been avoiding treatment and isolation for tuberculosis for more than a year has been arrested so she can receive medical treatment in jail. Pierce County Sheriff deputies located and detained the woman at her home in Tacoma Thursday, according to Pierce County Sheriff's Department. The arrest comes after a judge issued a 17th order in May for the woman to be involuntarily detained for treatment. We initially tried to look for her, but we were unable to find her. We believe she was trying to avoid being captured, said Sergeant Darren Moss. The woman was booked into a negative pressure room in the Pierce County Jail Thursday where she will get treatment for TB, tuberculosis. Uh, you might be asking yourself, why does the jail have a negative pressure room? What is a negative pressure room? Well, it's just where like the air in that room doesn't mix with the air in all the other rooms. It's isolated yeah. in that way. Uh, why do they have one in uh, a county jail? Well, believe it or not, TB uh, is popular in jails. Like jails where you you know have a bunch of people caged behind bars and don't really go anywhere. Uh, if TB gets in, it spreads quickly. I'm pretty sure that's the last time I got a TB shot. Was in jail? Yeah. Uh, wow. Like during you know ooh. booking or whatever. Ooh. So. Uh, I mean, you say ooh, but I mean, otherwise, you know, well, I, you're yeah. in isolation. I mean. Yeah. yeah. I just don't like getting shots. That's why I say ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I'm anti-needle. Okay. <laughs> I don't like it. No, sir. It's not that I'm not a big enough man that I can't take a shot. Yeah. Right? I've had shots before, but like, I just don't like them. I used to have uh, visible tracks from donating blood plasma for a summer. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Making them big bucks. It's like yeah. 45 bucks a week, man. Yeah. Donating plasma. No, no, I've, I've heard paid. that before. No, getting paid. By like crackhead telemarketers. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I'm just He's, donating plasma. Right, These so, aren't track marks. You still so, read my Xbox magazine while sitting in the chair? So first of all, do you have any experience with yeah. like tuberculosis? Can you yeah. tell the listeners like what is it and why is it so, you know, why does it seem like so, it's so important? <laughs> I mean, tuberculosis used to be a bigger deal when it was more prevalent now with like the vaccinations and also like the developing medical technology where we do have negative pressure rooms. We do know that it's an airborne disease. We know how to we like we know we have to like how it spreads and that we have to isolate people to prevent it from spreading. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, PPE like medical people when they go into the room, like nurses and doctors and stuff. We're wearing those N95 masks. We're like gowned up head to toe. Yep. We we know the precautions to take when there is a patient with TB. What so, are the, okay, what are the symptoms and what are the effects? So typically tuberculosis is like a, a lung thing. Okay. So it coughing, like coughing up blood. I mean, it can be fatal too, yeah, especially right. if you're elderly or have a, you know, a lowered immune system. So it is kind of a big deal. Also the antibiotics you have to get for tuberculosis, it's hardcore. Like you have to go through several really long rounds of like combination of different antibiotics and you have to be on them for like six months to a year. Like it's a really like 
the the treatment is very hardcore okay um so the reason that i wanted uh, I, I, thank you that's great yeah. information and the reason that i wanted richie rich to talk about this is because um you know, we all just went through covid right mm-hmm. and and of course the the big thing at least from a, a liberty perspective was hey my body my choice you have this experimental quote unquote vaccine and yeah. i put that in quotes very specifically because well it's not it's, a, it's an experimental bio robot uh, that they have injected into people. Um, and so this whole like my body, my choice thing. Now, if you have a disease, do you not as a person have the right to just have that disease and not get treatment? I would say yes, but I think you might have a different answer. No, no, you can totally have the disease, right? It's the it's the purposeful uh, spreading or negligence so, like, I know there's been cases where, like, like I know a guy got arrested and booked and I think prosecuted and in prison because uh, he contracted AIDS. Right. Uh, and then knowing that he had it, went out and tried to lay as many women as he could. Right. And so because there was intent right. uh, on him spreading it after having knowledge that he had it, they were able to charge him with attempted murder, something you know, right. something horrendous like that. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to put that in the same category as tuberculosis. Okay, and I think the the reason we make a distinction when it comes to COVID, right, is because we as a society agreed a long time ago, right, that the common cold is not worth shutting down society for. Number one, yep, right, and number two, we know that this chick has tuberculosis. Right. They're isolating an individual that has the disease with covid. They shut down everybody, even those who weren't infected. Right. Weren't likely to become infected. Right. And everybody got shut down. So they weren't they, the, the, the quarantine aspect of it didn't even meet the definition of quarantine because most people they were quarantining were not infected. OK, so and, and again, we're hype hype. Mm, hypothesizing hypothesizing yes we are hypothesizers here at free talk live um hypothesizing that there is no government right uh there is a person who contracts tuberculosis right they decide not to seek treatment right in the society we have now and by society i mean one with government uh this happens this story happens right where Okay, they know she's got it. Uh, they've asked her to self-quarantine or seek treatment, and she has refused. Right. And so now they've arrested her. Um, does she not have the right to just have the disease, and if it kills her, so so be it? So, with absent the government, yeah. she would be allowed to have the disease, right? You as an individual, if you knew she had it, yeah. would be self-responsible to stay away from her. Yeah. Right, she would be isolated from you know the general population anyway, because no other neighbor or business is going to allow her to transact because right. tuberculosis is contagious right? and airborne. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the most contagious. Yeah. Right. So she's she can go nowhere, right? Voluntarily, she can go nowhere because no one, no rational individual in that society would allow them near, else they become her when they catch it. Right. And they're the nicely. So the the smart thing for her to do, right, is to seek treatment if she wants to participate in society. Right. And, you know, voluntarily choosing to not seek treatment, uh, yeah, she can go die in the wilderness, you know, and uh, of sure. tuberculosis. Right, or go kill herself or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, so. 
But if she comes into your store and you go, hey, she's got TB, get the F out of here. Right. Right. And she chooses not to leave. Right. Then your security form and hazmat suits is going to drag her out of there. Right. Because now they are protecting you and your customers. Okay, so whatever private security, you know, things that sure. that, that exist may act. Use your on, imagination. Is this third party self defense again? Uh, well, it, it is uh, agency or yeah. agency. Okay, yeah, because you've contracted the security agency, right? Right to act on your behalf. You go like, hey, this chick is coming in here with the, the tuberculosis chick is back. Right, right, come get her, remove her from my property. Right, and they will escort her wherever you know. Because like my immediate reaction to this is like. Okay, um, uh, the article, and without reading the whole thing, the article says that she was seen like going to a local casino and you know yeah. being out in public, stuff like that. And so, like, I don't like the fact that the law is involved and the law is detaining her and put you know yeah. all this kind of thing. At the same time, uh, she knows she has it, right? Uh, has been you know seventeen times notified. And, and I would love to know like more about the details of her illness. Like, is she symptomatic? Is she like confirmed contagious? Yeah. The other beautiful thing while he's looking that up, right, is if she's known to have it, right, and anybody else catches it, like, on your property, you know, in your store or whatever, and it can be traced back to her, right, now she's also financially liable and responsible for your treatment or your customer's treatment by purposefully and maliciously spreading the disease, right? So if you have to undergo treatment because she walked in, you know, involuntarily into your establishment... Right, and then you've got a case against her for, you know, loss of wages, isolation, all those antibiotics. Yeah. Like that's on her. I mean, there is the possibility that she is not sick from it, and that she is not contagious. Like that okay. is a possibility. So I'm wondering. I'm wait. You can have TB and not be contagious. Yeah, I did not know that. It's yeah. I mean, I don't know like the if it's rare or if it's. I mean, we like in my time of working in healthcare, I've only had one patient with tuberculosis. Um, that wasn't contagious, or period. Period. Okay. Like it's a very, it's not a common thing, especially okay. in this area. I think it's more common, maybe like further south or like okay. closer to the border. And I'll say, if you're asymptomatic and uh, and not contagious, right, leave her alone. Like, yeah, exactly. Like who knows the situation though, yeah. but. I'm assuming most people that get tuberculosis probably are pretty sick. Yeah. But if she's at the casino. Well, but if she's at the casino, like, coughing up blood on the slot machine. <laughs> yeah, like. Right? Drag her out of there. So this says that she did seek treatment, but ended her treatment early. So I don't know how that plays into it. Got to finish your bottle of antibiotics, man. That's what it seems Otherwise, like Otherwise, it's a super me. spreader event. They don't yeah. really tell you. And like you, I said, it's like long term. It's a whole regimen that you have to do involving multiple different kinds right. of antibiotics over the course of like six months to a year. And if she gave me TB and I had to do all of that because yeah. she knowingly, willingly was doing stupid stuff, right? I, I will take her so, to arbitration as well. And Based on the fact that they were treating her for it. And I think even if it's the type of thing where like, say... You know, we're roommates. I have tuberculosis. You don't test positive for it, but you were still in contact with me. Yeah. You still have to get antibiotics. Okay. I believe, like, don't quote me on that, but I think it's one of those things where yeah. you do prevent, like, that. it's that big of a deal that, like, you're doing preventative treatments just to make sure you don't get it. And, yeah. you know, if we're roommates, I might be okay with that, right? I'm like, yeah. okay, well, better you know, safe than better sorry, safe you than know? Sorry. Yeah. 
but it's all but it's also to compare this again to covid it's also because the symptoms are so severe yeah right the consequences are so dire right exactly. I, did, I did not get that feeling at yeah. all with covid it's like okay I so mean, you're sick right. for a few days and right. then you get yeah. over i yeah. tested positive for covid and i was completely asymptomatic but i think i lost my sense of smell and taste for like less than 24 hours that was the only thing i got yeah. I did not feel I didn't have a cough. I wasn't yeah. sick at all. And I was sharing quarters with Matt, yeah. who was like poster child for like getting it and being super sick because of his pre-existing conditions and asthma and everything like that. Yep. And he didn't get sick. We he didn't test, so we didn't he like yeah. he didn't take a test, but we would know if he was ill. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, oh, Nikki has a good immune system, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I wasn't even, I don't even think I was contagious. Well, I'm pretty sure I had it two or maybe three times, but I've never tested. I got it the one time. It was early on after someone had visited the studio who was in a hospital uh, where it was going around. And then uh, I got it, and then Mark got it. We got it both at the same time. I thought Mark brought it in. No, it was uh, Michael Hampton. No, I know that, but I, yeah. you know. I remember getting it from Mark in the studio because he went, I'm sick. It's not COVID. Want to see my cough? And I went, no. Mark and, and I we Mark and I basically got it simultaneously. Okay. He probably had symptoms like a day or two before okay. I did. But we're both convinced that uh, Michael Hampton brought yeah. it to us. Okay. There were a few occasions where Mark came here sick with whatever illness and got everyone sick. So yeah. you might be thinking of one of the other times. Yeah. No, no. That was the one. Because okay. that's like right. That's That was my first COVID. I was out legitimately for a little over a week. I mean, I yeah. was out of the studio for you two were, weeks. You were sick. because I was. I was yeah. sick. I had flu-like symptoms, but it, they were odd. I knew that this wasn't the flu. I knew that it was right. different because the order of the symptoms for me was bizarre. And that is to say, I had uh, the chills and the sweats alternating first, right? Then I got a runny nose. Then the runny nose went away. Then I got queasy and nauseous. Then that went away. Then I developed the cough, right? Okay. And this is sort of out of order for me normally when I get the flu. Uh, and also the fact that Mark had it and the fact that Michael Hampton had it, uh, like, and I was in the studio with both of those mere days before we got sick. Yeah. Uh, I like, yeah, okay, that's where it came from. Mark did get tested, and he indeed had it. I, I did not get tested, but I can only assume based on how sick I was and that it was at the same time with the same symptoms that Mark had. I also experienced a period of delirium, mm-hmm. uh, which Mark also experienced when, when he had it. Uh, and by delirium, I mean that there was, I don't know, roughly a day or so where I basically slept you know, all day and all night, except to get up and you know chug a bunch of water and juice and go to the bathroom. That was yeah. basically my entire day. But like... There was a point where I was, I had a dream and in my dream, some things happened and I'm like, I got to tell somebody. And I like woke up, but I thought I was still dreaming. It was like a lucid dream and I was delirious. And I like got on my phone and I was about to text some people and like all of a sudden it it occurred to me, I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. That didn't actually happen. It was like, I don't remember the exact things, but like it was so, I was like, why am I doing this? What's going on? So I had a period of delirium where like my dreams and my reality sort of meshed together for a minute and I caught myself, but um, yeah, so it was definitely weird. Okay. Uh, but, I did not get hit that hard in any of the cases. Yeah. Uh, but I was over it, you know, yeah. in about a week. I stayed away for two weeks because that's what everybody was saying. Oh, two weeks to this, two weeks, that, whatever, you know, kind of a thing. I think so. I missed one episode of Free Talk Live because I just didn't want to drive out here that sick. Yeah. 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 I went, eh, I'll miss one. And yeah. Then we're good. Yeah. But that was like, the that was all the work I missed the whole wow. time. Yeah. Even your day job? Yeah. Wow. I showed up. Nice. Yep. Well, well done. 
Uh, so at any rate, that's uh, that's the scoop here on this particular story. There, there's a little more to the details here, but nothing uh, that answers your questions about, uh, you know, was she asymptomatic or not? I was just... I mean, it does kind of sound... If they were treating her, she probably was symptomatic and was like... You know, because people typically do that with antibiotics. Like, oh... I feel better I, now. I feel better. I'm going to stop taking that. No. Finish the course of the antibiotics because that's how we get super bugs and things like that. What are you, some like kind that. of doctor? Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, I was just, uh, you know, wanting to get like, how does this resolve itself absent government? Property rights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like you know, let's let's describe. I mean, we did already, but yeah. like that's that's what I was going for. Is that's I wanted the to, short answer to to know, like, because in what we have today, you know, a bunch of goons with guns, you know, come and hunt you down. They had her under surveillance for right. like you know, I don't know, some long period of time. Seems like they'd be able to like get some lady who's apparently going back and forth to the casino and her house right. that they'd be able to like. I don't know. Apprehend her in more than or in less than like a week. This this is also why during the COVID situation, right? I disagreed with a lot of libertarians who were overtly violating property rights of the stores and whatnot nearby. Right? Oh, I see. If the store out front says like no mask, no service. Right. Right. I don't care what their reason is. Right. Right. That's the rule. That's right. that's the contract upon entry. Right, like, well, I disagree with the COVID lockdown, so I'm just going to walk into their establishment. No, you should be dragged out of their establishment because property rights. But there was a whole bunch of libertarians going like, no, it says whatever. Now, I would walk in, right? Like two two examples stick out in my mind, Mm -hmm. right? Like I would walk into Walmart and they would say like mask and I would say medical exemption. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And they would say, oh, okay, right this way, sir. Because yeah. the governor wrote that in. Right. And if, say what you want about, you know, his emperor, his sinus, Sununu. Yeah, yeah. Right. He wrote in the exemption, and I think he wrote it in specifically for us. Right. Because he knew there'd be too much pushback and protest if he didn't. Yeah. Right. And there was another time that I walked into, um, you know, the, the SIG Academy. Mm-hmm. Right. To, to right. purchase some ammunition. Right. They went mask. And I went, well, I have a medical exemption. They went, doesn't matter. You got to put on something. And they gave me the face mask. And so I went, okay, face mask, right? Because that's their rule, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't, you know, that would also be the like the wrong place to try to walk through. Um, yeah. But either way, right? Walmart, right this way with the medical exemption. SIG, put on the face mask with the medical exemption. Either way, you follow the rules of the property owner. So what about uh, outside of New Hampshire, uh, where there were uh, obvious mandates that didn't have the medical exemption written into them, uh, where the government comes to a business and says, you are now required to have everybody mask when they come in. So it's not the property owner's rule, it's the government rule. How right. do you handle how would you handle that? Uh personally, I mean personally, I bought a bulletproof mask. Yeah. Right, and that's what I wore everywhere. Okay. And I wore that to Hawaii. All right. So so if in New Hampshire the exemption wasn't written in, yeah. Would you have complied with the masks anyway? Yeah, cuz I had a bulletproof mask. Like I bought a scary looking mask. Yeah specifically to comply with the BS of the lockdown protocol, right? And I tried to enroll everybody, it, yeah. and I tried to enroll everybody else into doing so. Like yeah, if like they buy us, a giant gas mask if, or right. like a, a plague doctor mask. If you they know? want us to wear a mask, right? And here's the thing, right? I, I called into Free Talk Live when this happened. Yeah. I wore this mask into the Apple store, uh-huh. right? And I was told to take it off and put on the paper mask, Yeah. right? And the paper mask would fall down my nose or, you know, not cover my mouth. And yeah. the manager kept coming up to me telling me to... Like, pull the mask up. And I said, dude, you gave me a paper mask. I have a superior mask in my bag. Yep. 
that you told me to take off right. because of optics. Right. You didn't like the optics of my mask. So now I'm wearing this inferior piece of paper and you keep encroaching on the six foot rule to tell me to pull my mask up instead of just letting me wear the one I brought, yeah. which is superior. Right. So I'm just going to have to just back away. Yeah. And he'd step back. And that was the end of that. The irony is that uh, during the whole COVID thing, I, I never put on a mask. Uh, but I also did not violate anybody's uh, property rules. There you go. Uh, however, I did eventually put on a mask once COVID was over so that I could get in to see Ian's freaking trial. How ironic. Because one of the jurors is like, well, I'd be more comfortable if everybody masked up. So the judge is like, go, okay, everybody's got a mask. There you go. And I'm like, jeez, man. 603-283-6160. More of your calls and the last segment coming up. It is Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. We've got some callers on hold. We'll get to you all momentarily. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Nikki. And Rich Rich. Before we go on, Fork Fest 2023 is coming up pretty quick. What is it, a couple weeks away? Yep, two. Two weeks away. Two weeks away. Oh, man. Uh, And uh, also, uh, I have decided uh, just recently that on... uh, Porkfest Eve, that's the last day of Forkfest, uh, which is Sunday the 18th. But, uh, I'm going to hold a little bit of a uh, pre-release advanced screening of my music video for a song called It's Time off of my upcoming EP called Eleutheromania. If you don't know what Eleutheromania means, it means an insatiable desire for freedom. And so I'll be uh, screening the music video and having a listening event there uh, right next to the Free Talk Live site. So if you're at ForkFest, come and say hi on Sunday night at about uh, 8.30 p.m., right, right before dark or so is when we'll, we'll do the thing. But you can join us and other liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians June 15th through the 18th for the 7th annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and in 2023, we're going back to the front. That's right. It's the pre-funk before Porcupine Freedom Festival is ForkFest now. Last year, it was after. This year, it's before, and I think it's a it's a good move. Uh, ForkFest is decentralized, which means there's no ticket cost, and no one is in charge of the thing. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your campsite, your RV site, or your motel room, with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. You can find out more at the unofficial website, forkfest.party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest forum. Links to those can be found at forkfest.party. We hope to see you there. Again, forkfest.party. For those of you wondering, uh, my EP is scheduled to drop uh, to the rest of mankind through the regular outlets, you know, your iTunes and all that kind of stuff, uh, on Independence Day. So if you're not attending ForkFest or ForkFest, uh, you can still hear it and get yourself a copy. If you are attending, come and see me because I'll have some, uh, you know, like I said, advanced screening. I'll have some T-shirts available and some other swag uh, available as well. So 
Uh, I've got limited edition uh, USB cards that I printed up with the Captain Kickass uh, logo on them that will contain the EP as well as the music video and some other goodies if time allows me to create them and put them on them before uh, time runs out. So come and see me. Uh, moving right along, before we get to your calls, I just want to mention this because this comes up from time to time, particularly with this particular musician. Y'all know I'm a big music fan. Uh, Nikki's also a big music fan. Richie, we know you don't care about music, but that's that's fine. You'll still find this interesting. Uh, one of our frequent callers, uh, I think it's David in South Carolina, he's always talking about how great Germany is. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Germany mm-hmm. this and Germany that. Germany does things better. It's well, the Germans. Well, this from Reason.com. German police investigate Roger Waters over concert wardrobe. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Roger Waters is, he is one of the founders of Pink Floyd, legendary oh. rock band. I've heard of them. Uh, you may have heard of uh, their most legendary album called The Wall. I've seen the movie. And there is a movie. And if you recall the movie, in the movie, uh, the main character is having some uh, dreamy fantasy type things about uh, sort of a, a Nazi-ish a uh, regime, you know, uh, you know, pointing at people and having them removed, and, and this kind of a thing. I was not stoned when I watched the movie, so I think I missed most of it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, at any rate, there is a lot of I'm going to call it pseudo Nazi imagery. Sure, right? It's the it's the big uh, you know sort of leather looking hat and the the armband, but it doesn't have the Nazi symbol. It's got the two hammers. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and within the movie, the wall itself, the two hammers are animated and sort of walking around. And sometimes there's an army of two hammers walking around and that kind of a thing. So as you can imagine, whenever Roger Waters plays a concert, he well he likes to play some of the oldies, right? Oh, some of the yeah. the hits, right? And some of them come from Pink Floyd, The Wall. And so, of course, Pink Floyd is infamous for their very elaborate stage sets and costumes. Yeah, they have the blow up lighting, the blow up pig, and, and the airplane, yeah. and all of that kind of a thing. And so Roger Waters, one of the founding members of Pink Floyd, will play Pink Floyd tunes during his concerts. And at all of his concerts, he has these elaborate stage sets and costumes and all this kind of thing. And he's done them before, and he'll do them again, and he's done them in Germany. But for some reason, it's a problem now. Ah. Let's find out why. Yeah, like this isn't anything new. I feel like the current German government is similar to the old German government. They just don't like to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> they operate with like a, a hint of shame. The, maybe a hint. <laughs> more more than a hint. Like you're not allowed to talk about it so you don't recognize it when they're yeah. doing it again. Well, apparently laws against displaying Nazi-esque iconography, if I'm pronouncing that right. Iconography. 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 Whatever. Laws against displaying Nazi-esque iconography are well-intended, but they pose a threat to free speech and the principles of a free society. Rock musician Roger Waters, founder and one-time frontman of Pink Floyd, performed concerts in Berlin May 17th and 18th. During a couple of his former band's classic songs, Water donned a black military-style uniform with a red armband and fired a prop machine gun into the crowd. Again, nothing he, has, he hasn't done before playing these songs. Uh, for, I don't know, 40 years Pink Floyd's been a thing? More right? than that. Yeah, okay. The costume bore more than a passing resemblance to a Nazi SS uniform, though with two crossed hammers instead of the swastika. It's a completely different design. 
I mean, if you're talking it's, about copyright, it's completely different. Sure. Yeah, but and it's supposed to allude to that sort of thing, but as, this doesn't make him a Nazi. It's right. part of the song. You know, it's part of the whole brand of the wall. Right. Like right. even uh, other government laws, at least in the United States, like I know uh, Doug Stanhope famously took advantage in New York uh, when New York passed their no smoking law. Uh, there was an exception for artistic performances. Nice. And so, like, if you're putting on a theatrical performance of something and, you know, and in the script it says, man lights a cigarette, you can do so on stage as part of the theatrical performance. So he filmed his special No Refunds in New York City, and he, he got on stage and just chain-smoked. He's like, in case you're wondering, I am chain-smoking on purpose. I'm specifically lighting up cigarette after cigarette because I know you bastards can't. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, last week, Berlin police announced an investigation into Roger Waters' uh, sartorial choices and whether they constitute incitement to violence. I would have to go with no. Unfortunately, the investigation is part of a trend amongst European nations that cuts against the principles of a free society. Several European nations criminalize both Holocaust denial and the display of Nazi iconography. Iconography. Whatever. You say tomato, I say tomato. Under German law, under Ger- I can hear David, under German law, <laughs> anyone who displays flags, insignia, uniforms, and their parts, slogans, and forms of greeting of the Nazi regime can face up to three years in prison because the Nazis are superior to everybody in every way, shape, or form, according to David. I heard they're so superior they can do those three years in one. <laughs> can they watch 60 minutes in an hour and a half? Maybe. <laughs> Pause it enough. Announcing the investigation against Waters, police spokesperson Martin Holwig told The Guardian the context of the clothing worn is deemed capable of approving, glorifying, or justifying the violent and arbitrary rule of the Nazi regime in a manner that violates the dignity of the victims and thereby disrupts public peace. Does it, though? He should just dress like the current government officials and do the same thing. So first of all, uh, I've been to a bunch of concerts. Concerts aren't really public. I mean, unless it's an outdoor concert. But even so, it's even not really so, public. Even so, not really. Ticket. You, you have to buy the ticket, so it's yeah. private. So. And even if it's a, you know a community like you know no cover fee, right? Yeah. You still have to go over there and stand there, and at any, no one's holding you hostage at any point. You can just leave. Right. The Wall, the 1979 album that Waters wrote, tells the semi-autobiographical story of a fictional rock star named Pink and his descent into madness. Near the end of the album, a drug-addled Pink imagines himself as a fascist dictator and his concert as a Nazi rally. He foments racist violence, sicking his audience on ethnic and sexual minorities, but when his hallucination passes, he realizes what he's done and begs them to stop. Waters has worn the same uniform for years when performing the song f- songs from the wall, including in Berlin. I wish I had clothes that fit that long. He insists that the performance is satirical. In a statement after the recent shows, Water contended that his depiction of an unhinged fascist demagogue is quite clearly a statement in opposition to fascism, injustice, and bigotry in all its forms. And I tell fact, you what, I mean, it's satirical up until now. Next time he's going to be serious about it, right? <laughs> if you're going to act like a fascist dictatorship, right, I'm going to make fun of you too, and this time I'm not playing. Bans on Nazi pop propaganda are surely well intended, especially in European nations where those sentiments had such a devastating consequence. But such blanket bans have downstream consequences and clamp down on legitimate free expression. After all, the government with the authority to ban offensive speech 
also has the authority to decide what speech to consider offensive. Sounds pretty fascist to me. It sure does. So uh, good luck, Roger Waters. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't result in you being banned from putting on more concerts in Germany. If not, buy a bulldozer. Yeah, or maybe somebody else. Uh, Let's go to your calls and thoughts. Let's go to an unscreened, uh, unknown caller. What's your name, please? Caller going once. Yep, you're on the air. What's your name, please? Uh, Billy. Hey, Billy, where are you calling from? Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. All right, you're live on the air. What's on your mind? Oh, I had a suggestion. You were talking about the COVID, mm-hmm. and what I've always used is colloidal silver. Ooh. Yeah, yep. good for a bunch and of different things. The, in moderation. And, and the reason being is I was reading about it in the past, and then we're talking about the bubonic plague. And during that era, people that had access to silver goblets or they would put silver bars in their water, Yep. and they didn't uh, – catch that plague so that's the reason being that i started using it there's also a guy and, who drank too much clodial silver and now looks like a smurf really right it turns yeah, you blue yeah yeah, yeah. yeah is that real are you pranking the, me no no it's yeah it's real i've seen the deals where the guy turned blue from taking too much but the one i use is 25 parts per million and i get it in a nasal spray yep if i start getting a sore throat or feeling anything i take two spritz in each nostril or i'll <laughs> Two, two uh, spritz in my throat, and my wife had COVID, but I, I never, and I was around her, uh, I didn't stay away from her. Uh, I have and, used and it in the past in spray it. form as well, like either as a throat spray or just on my face. I mean, honestly, everyone should have it in their first aid kit because it is so good for burns, anything. It's like the right. cure-all, it definitely must have for any sort of like natural remedy. In moderation. Right. In uh, moderation. Don't drink don't, don't drink the whole blue. thing. Yeah. Have right. you taken it yourself? Right, yeah. Right. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I've used it for like cuts, scrapes. I haven't really used it for anything like COVID. Is it or... topical or you have to ingest it? Either I think or. yeah, either uh, well, or it, Yeah, it's either or like the the one I got, it's got a, a nasal you can spritz it up your nostrils or in your throat. Okay. I even I used it on my kids, you know, they start getting a sore throat. Mm. Uh just a couple spritz. And it goes away, it seems. But as Nikki said, also for topical cuts and scrapes and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great for cuts. You, you On a Band-Aid, you spray it on the little pad, put your Band-Aid on, and within a day or so, it'll be healed. Now, uh, is there a uh, a preventative regimen as well? Like, can you just, like, take some on a, you know, I don't know, once a week or something? And, like, will it help That's prevent stuff? That's what I do. Uh, every now and again, I, I remember uh, I'll spray it, and, and this old boy local here that, that makes it on his website um he posted a letter if i'm not mistaken it was from the fda okay because uh it's, it's not a medicine or anything that you know he's not prescribing it or right. or telling you to use it but in his comment section on his website everybody commented how amazing it is and how they were healed from the symptoms they had. So the FBDA up north somewhere chimed in and wrote him a letter because they were implying that he was try, uh, trying to make a cure-all for everybody. But in no way did he imply that. Hmm. It, it was just in the, his comment section where the people were commenting how well it yep. did for them. Government and the FDA, they don't like cure-alls. Right. This and is they were why uh... to shut him down because of that. 
I'm sure there's a ton of government uh, or like FDA articles talking about how dangerous it is and this, that, and the other thing. Because that's what they do when there's really good natural medicine. They're like, nope, don't take it. It's going to kill you. Yeah, the same thing applies to like uh, homeopathic remedies. Oh, yeah. Uh, I dated a girl for several years and she was really into that. Uh, I came down with a thing, uh, got some stuff. I took like a drop under my tongue, gone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, wait a I minute. I struggle with the concept of homeopathic remedies. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just because of the parts per million. Yeah. Right. It's water diluted. So, uh, no, I understand I understand your skepticism, and I yeah. have shared that, especially yeah. when I took it, but the, my results were pretty darn Even good. Even if it's a placebo, if it works, it works. Sure, yeah. You yeah. know, give Pla- me a sugar pill. If, my, if I can trick and, myself into believing I'm better, sure. that and, is fine yeah. with me. And what I don't like about, uh, you know, government exclusion of anything resembling a natural remedy is that it's the antithesis of healthcare. Yeah. Right? If your doctor is really caring about your health and wants you to be a healthy human being, they would investigate and recommend everything possible to help you. Maybe. Regardless right. of whether or not it's FDA approved. Maybe. I mean, that's, well, that's, that's where I'm lucky. Seems like I have a doctor that, uh, that agrees with all this, and I always run everything past her. It's like they, they were trying to put me on statins, I guess, for cholesterol. Uh-huh. And whenever I would take those, it made my head crack. It, it made my head hurt. It gave mm-hmm. me a headache. And I told her, I said, I'm not, I'm not taking this. I can't take it. It makes my head hurt. Yeah. So she said, what about fish oil? Do, do you, do you, do you like, I mean, do you care to take fish oil? And I said, no, I, I, I take fish oil from time to time. And she's prescribed me a medical fish oil. It's called Vesepa. Mm-hmm. And in the last year or more that I've been taking all of this, all of my blood work, I just went the other week for my, all of my numbers, I'm 60. So all of my numbers are dead center on all of my blood work, my cholesterol, nice. everything. Nice. What's a- and I'm like, why don't they prescribe this fish oil, to, this vasipa to everybody? <laughs> Instead of putting them on these statins and all this other medicine. Or what's so special about that specific fish oil that you don't get normal fish oil? uh, It's probably the same. I have two questions for you. Uh, uh, Sorry, was it Billy? Yes. All right, Billy. Uh, What, uh, since uh, all your, you know, your numbers came back good, I'm curious, like, what kind of diet you have? What do you eat? Are you vegetarian? Are you carnivore? Are you some of both? Like, you know, what's your, you know, weekly diet consist of? It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> you eating like fast pretty, pretty food? Pretty much and... I'll eat. I eat meat. I, eat, I I try to stay away from my breads and stuff. Uh, yeah. um, I've cut back a lot. Weight, weight was a little bit of an issue. Okay. Uh, so so even though your diet isn't the greatest, you're, you're still coming back all thumbs up? Oh, yeah, my blood pressure was through the roof, like 149 over something. Uh, this last time I went two, two Saturdays ago, yeah, uh, my blood pressure is like 122 over 72 now. Yeah, that's textbook. You're good. And I'm and I'm 60 years. I just turned 60 May the 7th. So. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, and then everything, my... Uh, mm-hmm. Being a diabetic, it's been borderline... It got down below and in, into the numbers it was supposed to be, and I think this last time it was back up to like a five point six. So 
I'm in the middle of being pre-diabetic again. I think the so last time just, I checked my blood just, pressure was like 175 over 120. Wow. Yep. That's like Salty. you're about to have a heart attack. Yep. But I do it's mine every suicide. three months. They do my blood work. I can pull that one off. Uh, well, so the the reason to the, the other thing I wanted to say, uh, Billy, was uh, why they don't prescribe everybody fish oil or this particular fish oil is because we in the United States and for most of we'll call it the westernized world, we don't have a healthcare system despite its name. What we have is a disease management system, and so right. they want they want subscribers they don't want healthy people they want subscribers paying every month for their medications over and over and over i would go even further than that because a lot of these meds they're giving people are killing them i mean the side effects of some of them are so for example i had a family member who had heart issues you know very young since the time he was in his 30s yeah and when he passed away it wasn't because of heart issues it was because of liver failure because he was on like 15, 20 different meds right. and just like the damage your liver and as you get older, they just yeah. keep prescribing more and more and more and you have all these side effects from the meds. So they're like, oh, you have dry mouth or constipation. We're going to give you this med right. to, you know, combat all of those. So it's like half of the meds you're on is to combat the symptoms of the other half of the meds you're on. Right. So and don't get me wrong, like medication is great when you need it. But yeah. I think they just overdo it. But just take that as an example. Okay, so here's one man. He's on one medication for a thing, but now he's on three other medications to combat the symptoms of the one medication. Yeah, it's a vicious so now he's cycle. On four different medications, and then what does what? How much are they making off of him? Absolutely. For those four, you know, every month. And you know, it's speaking of cardiac stuff. I mean, you know, like Billy said, the fish oil. I mean, those omega sixes and omega threes. I mean, you know, like getting your diet in check and taking some supplements, it's a lot cheaper than these medications and it works a lot better and there's a lot less side effects. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people well, who are being a medical grade, THC. I'm assuming it's a little bit stronger. And then unfortunate, like she's got me on vitamin D3 and after yep. I started taking D3, oh man, it's a tremendous change. And then she's got me on two different uh, vitamin Bs. Uh, but I'm still taking the, the Lasartan. Uh, but those are recommendations, right? Like you're not being prescribed that stuff. You they can, can go, prescribe the yeah, but vitamins. You can also go to the yeah, health the, store. The, the and Lasartan buy it. for the. You don't need a prescription. And then if it's covered got, under insurance, why not? Right. Fair enough. But I can uh, I can take vitamin D3 on my own. Sure can. Yeah. Go ahead, Billy. Right. But but no, she she's the one that she prescribed all of that to me. And mm-hmm. and so I know what to get now. So I get because I asked her. She she told me to go to the go to the store and get this and that. And I said no. I would rather I, I work for a. Well, we have a clinic that we go to where I work. Has we she brought up the apple clinic. cider vinegar yet? I tried apple cider vinegar, and I did a a whole gallon for the the tablespoons you're supposed to take every day. I did, I did a whole gallon, and I. I never really noticed a difference with right. the apple cider vinegar. Hmm. What's the uh, apple cider vinegar supposed to do? It's Richie? just another one of those natural health benefits that, like, as a preventative maintenance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like jogging in a jug or whatever they called that stuff that was around before. It's kind of yeah. like the apple cider vinegar was like that. Well, I know I learned something uh, a long time ago, uh, and it was uh, one of these, you know, sort of old wives remedies, you know, the the, the home remedy kind of thing. 
And then at some point, I was subjected to some uh, late night marketing. You know, they used to have infomercials on TV and that kind of. But wait, there's more. Yeah. And uh, I saw uh, an infomercial for it was a book. It was an audio book on cassette. So that's you know we're mm. talking you know early to mid nineties, uh, and it was something called "Dead Doctors Don't Lie," and uh, I, th- I, 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 you know, my recall on this is sketchy, but it was something along the lines of this doctor uh, used to work uh, in both uh, human medicine and then also in veterinary medicine, and he discovered some differences between the way humans are treated versus the way livestock are treated. Oh, yeah. Uh, for example, um, uh, there was a, like a calcium deficiency was identified in cows. And so what they do is they just give them a calcium supplement and the thing goes away, but they treat humans completely differently. There, there was another article in a reason where they're trying to make uh, farmers or whatever get prescriptions to treat their livestock. Now. Right. So one of the things that uh, that I learned, you know, sort of through the, uh, the old wives grapevine was uh, if you have some heartburn, uh, just take a shot of vinegar. Like pour yourself a shot glass or a little Dixie cup uh, of vinegar. Right. Or if you don't have vinegar, uh, some Italian dressing will do or any vinegar-based uh, dressing. Uh, you just chug a shot of that. And your heartburn goes away. And it was amazing. Hey, Billy, thank you for the call. We appreciate you. We're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Richie Rich. Thank you to all of our callers and listeners. We're sorry if we didn't get to your calls today. Please call back uh, on any night. We're here seven nights a week from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. If you missed any part of the broadcast, check out the archives over at freetalklive.com. Thanks and peace. you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark warden now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com.